Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Opening Drive on 101 ESPN. Kerry Davis, Matthew Rocchio, Randy Carricker. Great to have you with us. It's 701. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Good morning, Mr. Davis. How you doing? Good morning, Mr. Carricker. How are you? I'm doing well. You know, my week is going to comp- be complete tonight, and I know it's only Thursday. Yeah. But i got to tell you, since the beginning of the season, I've been looking forward to this Commanders-Bears tilt. Oh, yes. This is like the matchup of the of the, of the the season. Yeah. Watching the Commanders and the Bears, two quarterbacks, elite quarterback play, <laughs> offensive line play that you will not see ever again. Trust me. No, you you won't. won't see this. Wide receivers making, you know, they doing what they do, whatever that is, and defenses that are out there. They'll be there, Randy. They, they will, will be, be there. Hand. They will be on the field. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. <laughs> We've got that one for you tonight here at 630 here on 101 ESPN, and we are fired up. Greg Amzinger joins us at the bottom of the hour. We're going to talk to John Kelly as the Blues get ready to open their season Saturday night against Columbus. J.K. with us at 815, 845. Jeremy Rutherford, and then at 915, our friend, former teammate here at 101 ESPN, now the analyst for... Indianapolis Colts broadcast Rick Venturi and then Robert Thomas will join us at 9.30. So a busy day here on the opening drive. Last night, baseball, Philadelphia, Atlanta, in Atlanta. And we figured it would be a pitching pairing that would lead to uh, very few runs. And that's exactly what it was with Zach Wheeler and uh, and Wright, Kyle Wright for Atlanta. What did you say John Smoltz said about uh, the game? The, yeah. the hardest hit ball was... Was Ronald Acuna getting hit <laughs> in, in, in the sixth inning. Here's the way it worked out in the sixth. Scoreless game into the sixth, and both pitchers were fantastic. As a matter of fact, Wheeler had allowed only one hit. He struck out Marcelo Zuna, and then he gets Eddie Rosario to line out. So you got two outs in the sixth. Then Acuna hit by a pitch, and there's an injury delay. And then Wheeler walked Dansby Swanson. And then Matt Olson with a ground ball to right, and that scores a run, and it's a one nothing lead for Atlanta. Out came Austin Riley to the plate. He hits a soft ground ball, ground ball off of Swanson, scores 2 nothing, and then Travis Darnot with a soft single to center field to make it 3 nothing, and that was the final in the game. Not a single hard-hit ball in the scoring inning for Atlanta, and now that series, even going back to Philadelphia, it's even at a game apiece. Yeah, and I think I don't think they come back to Atlanta for the for the series. I think they finish it in Philly. We talked about mm-hmm. it. The Braves had that long layoff. They were just getting back into the to the 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 feel of things. They they showed up in the later half of the first game, 
came out second game, and now they get to go to Philadelphia, and I think they they just go, they're just going to overwhelm the Phillies. They're they're the better team, and, and we talked about it. Once they get into that Phillies bullpen, it's going to be a wrap yeah. for Philadelphia. So uh, Atlanta will not come back to Atlanta for uh, a game five. You hit the nail on the head there with the Philadelphia bullpen, and even if Nola gets them in game three, then. Well, first of all, if Nola can win game three, I think it's got to be a bullpen game where you use yeah. like seven or eight different pitchers if you're Philadelphia in game four rather than just using Suarez. But Atlanta's – heck, how many people told us, CD, that Atlanta was the best team that the Cardinals saw? People that are with yeah. the team every day. Danny yeah. said that. Clabe said that. Uh, Rooney said that. Everybody said Atlanta is the best team we've seen all year. They got a lot that, They got a lot of guys that can get going at any time. And, uh, you know, Austin Riley and, and Ronald Acuna, those guys are, are very, very good baseball players that find a way to get on base, hit balls. Um, so, yeah, I think that Atlanta finishes it in Philly. And then we'll see what happens on this other side because – the Padres and the Dodgers, I think that's my favorite mm-hmm. series thus far. I, I like I like what they're yeah. doing, and I think I like what the Padres are doing. And we're going to get to that in a moment. I just want to give credit to Kyle Wright. Six innings, he allowed only two hits, walked one, struck out six, obviously no runs. Then the Braves bullpen, as opposed to the Philadelphia bullpen, A.J. Minter, who was a star last year in the postseason, he gives him a scoreless inning. Rysel Iglesias, who used to be a closer in Major League Baseball, he gives him a scoreless inning. He was unreal. And then Kenley Jansen comes on to close things out, and the Braves win it by a score of 3-0 over Philadelphia. I do have a question about that. Do you trust Kenley Jansen? Because he has kind of been – he's one of those guys that's kind of been hit or miss at times and and – he has seemed to have blow-ups at, at inopportune times for teams. In a crucial, critical moment, do you trust him enough to get the out that they need to get to, to seal the game? You're exactly right. And right now, I do trust him. Today. But I, I, yeah. But I think what happened with the Dodgers, for whatever reason, he would lose it in September. Yeah. And he would be a mess in October. Yeah. He's been awesome in September so far for the Braves. So because of the way he's pitched over the last—and he's really had a great year for Atlanta— for whatever reason, I think they've done a better job of nurturing him and preparing him for the playoffs than the Dodgers did. Okay. And look at the Dodgers' closer situation now. Yeah. Kimbrell's not even on the roster. He is not. He, that weird arm mm-hmm. thing he does. Yeah, they do the weird things. <laughs> I, I don't know what it is about the closer situation in L.A. Yet the Dodgers are headed to San Diego for Game 3 of their series. And last night, an interesting game. Manny Machado with with a home run in the first inning to make it a one nothing game. But back come the Dodgers. Freddie Freeman in the bottom of the first. We're tied 1-1. Then Max Muncy hits a home run to make it 2-1 in favor of the Dodgers. Machado with an RBI double. That one came in the third inning. And all of a sudden, we're tied 2-2. Jake Cronenworth with an RBI ground out 3-2. And then, with the Padres leading 3-2 in the sixth inning, my guy stepped in. Here's the pitch. <laughs> Swing and a high fly ball. Left field. That one on its way, and that one is gone. Inside the left field foul pole, a no-doubter from Trey Turner. He homered last night, and his homer here tonight ties this one up. It's 3-3. He's nearly perfect, CD. Nearly. Well, Nah. Not everything's great. Nah. Not always. <laughs> Makes a mistake here or there, you know. So Almost. We, we get to the top of the sixth inning, and the game is still tied 3-3. The pitching has settled down, and San Diego puts a couple of runners on base for Jurickson Profar. 
The pitch. Swing and a chopper through the right side hole. That's a base hit. Around third is Cronenworth. He's going to score. Throw cut off. And the Padres lead this game 4-3 on an RBI single by Jerks and Profar. And then a little bit of insurance in the eighth inning for San Diego. 1-1. Swing and a high fly ball. That's crushed. Right field. Way back there. And that one is gone. Deep into the night down that right field line. A mammoth home run from Jake Cronenworth. And the Padres have added on its 5-3. Neither team great last night, CD, with runners in scoring position. The Padres won the game, but only 2 for 11 with runners in scoring position. The Dodgers, though, this is a big thing, 0 for 8 with runners in scoring position and multiple two-out opportunities that they weren't able to take advantage of. Yeah, they were not able to. There was a, uh, I think it was in the 8th inning or 7th or 8th inning where they had a couple of runners on and just were not able to push them across. Mm -hmm. The the Padres, Cronenworth hit that ball so far that Mookie Betts just turned around and didn't even – he had no reason to chase after. He just looked at it like, well, no, no right. one's catching that. Um, I, I just like that the Padres had, you know, the hits at the right moments. Trey Turner had that error which allowed a runner to get across in, yeah. the, in the seventh or eighth inning. Um, but all in all, I like this series because I think it's going to go back and forth. The thing about it, when you're facing a division rival, it doesn't matter what you did in the regular season – those teams know each other very well. Those teams are familiar with one another. It's it's not a far ride or drive from L.A. to San Diego. You know, you're comfortable. You you get into a routine when you play as a team so many times. You know which restaurants you want to eat at. You mm-hmm. know which hotel you're staying in. It becomes familiar, so it's not like a, an away game. And so that's what I think that the Padres are, are, are comfortable in that ballpark. They almost came back in game one. They were able to win game two, and now they get to go home. And, and and see if the Dodgers can, you know, make, can win a game in their home stadium. I think they do. I think this game go. I think this series goes all five, but they'll split in San Diego, and then game five, anything can happen. And Darvish pitched well for the Padres last night. They get Blake Snell. You got a couple of former Cy Young Award winners that are pitching well. Anything can happen. And by the way, another game for the Dodgers where Clayton Kershaw started in the postseason. Didn't pitch poorly, but it, they didn't win the game. Either. Didn't get the win. And that's kind of been the story for him. Yep. Seattle and Houston today. That's a 2.30 start St. Louis time down in Houston. And then Cleveland and the Yankees tonight at 6.30. Meanwhile, an explosive story coming out this morning at ESPN.com reported by Don Van Natta Jr., Seth Wickersham, and Tisha Thompson. And this is, CD, part of the first paragraph of the story about Daniel Snyder, the owner of the Washington Commanders. Cradling a drink in one hand, Snyder tells members of his inner circle about the dirt he's accumulated on fellow owners, coaches, executives, even his own employees. All the stuff he's learned from other sources, including private investigative firms. He never says exactly what he knows, only that in his 23 years as owner of the Commanders, he knows a lot. And that, in the zero-sum world of billionaires, this is how you survive. Snyder recently told a close associate that he has gathered enough secrets to, quote, blow up several NFL owners, the league office, and even Commissioner Roger Goodell. This is a really long story, extremely well reported by ESPN.com and their investigative crew. And there's an NFL owners meeting on Tuesday, and there's speculation within this story that they, the other owners, might try to push Snyder out on Tuesday in New York. Well, when people ask, why has he not been fired? Why has he not been removed? Why is he still the owner of the Washington, whatever, commanders? It's because of this, because these people do have information that we are not privy to. They know things about each other, and, and when you are making a ton of money, 
it is hard for for some. If, if there are certain things that if, if those stories were to get out, whatever they, whether mm. it's true or not, those owners know what they do. And and the thought that someone else may know it is probably striking a, a a great amount of fear into them. So I don't know that that Daniel Snyder is going to be removed if he does have this information, which you know it seems like he does. Maybe he does. I don't know that you can remove him because I don't know that the owners would be willing to take that risk if he does actually have some information that could be you know hurtful or harmful to them. One of the quotes attributed to Snyder in the story is that he says the NFL owners are like the mafia. They everybody hates each other. And another owner says, <laughs> "Well, no, we all just hate Dan." Yeah. Now, yeah. another thing that's going to happen at that that owners meeting on Tuesday is that owners are going to try to answer the question which they've been trying to answer for more than a year or, or nearly a year as to who's going to pay the 700 million dollar 790 million dollar settlement that was paid to St. Louis and by that way that money hasn't been allocated yet for whatever reason 790 million well 550 million our our city and our county and our CBC they can't figure out how to. They just can't get out of their own way. Okay, they're <laughs> they're tell it like it is. Yeah, they, they just can't. They're well, know, Randy. They're, has that ever happened in this town? Yeah, well, we've lost a couple of teams. I would suggest that that is a, a possibility. Although losing this one was not St. Louis's fault, but the owners are going to try to figure out on Tuesday who is going to pay that $790 million? Is it going to be Kroenke mostly, or is it going to be the owners mostly? Roger Goodell has assessed every team $7.5 million, so that'll be a part of it. But one of the things that has happened here over the course of the last 10 months, Roger Goodell put together a committee to determine what should happen. A couple of the committee members quit because it's such a mess. Kroenke, either through back channels or front channels, has threatened a lawsuit and one of the things that they're fighting over is that and I I had heard this during the course of the trial this came out in discovery is that Kroenke's lawyers got at the meeting on January 12 2016 when he signed his indemnification clause it said that he would be responsible for all legal costs regarding a lawsuit legal costs it doesn't say legal costs Uh, jury awards, indemnifications. Mm. It doesn't talk about paying off losing a legal battle, just the legal cost. The cost to (laughs) to fight the battle. That's going to be his argument is, hey, look, it says here on the paper, I agreed to pay legal costs. I didn't agree to pay any adjudications or indemnifications or judgments. I just agreed to pay the legal costs. And this might wind up in court where, again, you'll have owners against owners on a litigious stage. Anytime it comes to to football and and money and people not uh, owners willing to pay or... You know what? Not even just football, Randy. Anytime it comes to judgments and people actually having to pay those judgments that they lose people find creative ways to not have to pay those settlements Mm -hmm. to not have to pay those judgments it happens all the time and then you have people who are waiting for their money because they know we won x amount of dollars and then you have someone saying i don't know how you think you're gonna get that (laughs) i I ain't got it (laughs) so it's always the, the the judicial system and the court systems are an interesting thing when it comes to making sure people get paid properly now i have a question because i have a perception here but i'm going to ask it this way with all the stuff going on we just mentioned dan snyder we mentioned Kroenke, we mentioned lawsuits we mentioned him having dirt on nfl owners you played for 
basically four years for the Steelers, right? Yep. How do you feel about the Rooney family? I think the Rooney family is one of the best, um, you know, owners, best organizations that I have. Mr. Rooney would would when you say open door policy, literally his door was open. Come in, sit down. What's going on? How are you doing? And that is not a a a norm in in football in in any sports. Most people, most of the owners are are figures that you don't see, or if you do see, they they don't talk to you know starting fullbacks or 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 practice squad guys. That organization was one of the best, well ran organizations. Everyone was it felt like family. Everyone was always you know kind and and pleasant. And, you know, I'm sure there are things on the other side that we don't see. But as far as players and as far as, you know, being in that organization and being a Steeler, you couldn't you could not have asked for anything better. That's been my impression is that they're really not knowing them from afar. They appear to be really good human beings. And doesn't Mr. Rooney live right down the street from the practice facility? There, there was something about him or maybe it was his dad that had a house that was right down. He walked to work, basically. It probably. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, maybe maybe in the 70s or yeah, 80s. Right. I don't think he was walking to work yeah, when uh, I was there. <laughs> okay. And one other thing about... Uh, the, the Steelers is that they're one of the old school groups. Is the, the the old school ownerships and they're few and far between now. They seem to have a much better grasp of actual humanity than most of the new ones. That's Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker. Coming up, sick of it. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line six five seven eight zero on one zero one ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on one zero one ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Rocky, Randy Carricker, and you via the text line, 65780, the Air Comfort Service text line. Sick of it here on 101 ESPN. CD, I'll tell you what, it's only been one day since the Colorado Avalanche have raised their Stanley Cup banner. Mm-hmm. I am sick of the Colorado Avalanche being the Stanley <laughs> Cup champs. I'm, I'm done with it. I don't need to see it anymore. It, 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 you're, you're, I'm done with the it. First day. Yeah. You don't need to see it ever yeah, again? I, so I hope somebody burns their banner. <laughs> I don't know. Well, you know the Broncos had a uh, a fire, maybe. Yeah, Denver thing. Yeah, yeah maybe it's possible. <laughs> yeah. You know, Randy, we were talking about billionaires and 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 owners, and I'm sick of just I'm sick of people with uh, 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 massive amounts of money just being bad people, just not being. I don't expect you to be a you know just be a a, a decent human being. Human being. Try it for once, yeah. maybe. Right. Maybe. You know, yep. it's it's a lot of things in the news where I said settlements and people mm-hmm. not getting paid their money and you know, these these people with tons and tons of money still feel the need to just say, ah, no. Mm-hmm. Just be a good person. Try I, it. I can tell you what, I, I don't know these people well, but I can tell by their actions. Carolyn Kendall Betts, Andy Taylor from Enterprise. They do really good things. Yeah. They're they're you can tell they do quality things for humanity. There is a billionaire in town that I know of. I'm not going to mention any names, but I do know that his co-workers, the people that work with him, they have to say, hey, hold up on the charitable contributions. Really? You're giving away too, too much, much money. money. That, 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 that is a person that I think is awesome. Yeah, I love that. And yeah, you're, uh, hey, our 
We we have a great owner of our company. Her name is Ginny Morris. Just became a grandma. Congratulations to Ginny. Uh, but we, we're a family-owned company, Hubbard Radio, and Ginny is the sweetest billionaire you'd ever want to meet. One time we were in a meeting, CD, she, she, before you got here, she was in a meeting with all of the morning shows down the hall. Mm-hmm. So it was us, it was you, man, it was uh, Riz, it was uh, uh, the, the WIL show with, uh, with Remy and Casey uh, and the, the Courtney show. And the Courtney show is just, as you might guess, with Chris Convey, they're nuts. <laughs> but Ginny's, uh, yeah, he, Matthew knows. We'll get him one day, don't worry. Yeah. We got, we'll, we'll get him one day. So we're, we're in a meeting with, <laughs> with this billionaire Ginny and her phone goes off. I, I go, come on, Ginny. <laughs> and she laughed. It was funny. <laughs> it was great. You're not supposed to have your phone on in a meeting. It was great. All right. On, but uh, to your point, yes, if you have a billion dollars, you should theoretically be nicer than be a jerk. I think so. Yeah, you, you should. You got a billion reasons to be polite. You should not be kicking people out of their houses. No. You should not be preventing people from crossing your land to get to public land so they can go fishing where they've gone fishing for years. Just be nice. Just be, be nice. Be kind. Yeah. It, it, that, that, and that that is a message for not just billionaires, for everyone listening. You're right. Just be kind. Yeah. It, it costs you nothing. Yep. It's, it's, it's free. Yep. And your day will be better, yeah. usually. One, one other quick note, and I, I think I've mentioned this on the air, but former teammate of Barry Bonds said to me, you know, it is so much more difficult and takes so much more effort to be a jerk. Why not just be nice? And I thought about it, and you're right. It does take more effort to be a jerk than it does to be nice. You have to go out of your way. Yeah. In, in trying to have a little self-awareness, I will admit, though, I have made fun of Kroenke for the whole uh, going using a public restroom and putting his bodyguard on, yeah. out, outside to stop mm-hmm. anybody else from using it. I've criticized him for that, but having a little self-awareness, if I had a billion dollars... You might I think need to be the one move is I'd actually still pull. I'd hate myself. No, but I'm trying but, to have a little self awareness. I think I'd do that. I, I now, think I'd, I'd stoop that low. Outside of St. Louis, if Stan Kroenke walked in a room, would anyone know who he was? No. no. There you go. So no. it, it, it that it just drew more attention than than did more harm than good. Exactly. Probably. All right. What do we got on the text line? Uh, sick of a Cardinals not taking ownership of their philosophy, their hitting philosophy, and changing it. That's a, that's, a, that's a hidden Jeff Albert text if I've ever seen it. We we've talked about this for the last uh, week. When did the card? What was the Sunday Saturday? What what day is this? They got eliminated on Saturday. <laughs> and this is Thursday. What is today? Okay, yeah. so five, five days. The, uh, the 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 hitting philosophy allowed you to get to the playoffs, did it not? It seems like it, it did. They was that the thing that yeah. helped you make it to the playoffs? Now, were they? We can't say that they were prepared or that they hit well in the playoffs. They did and, not. And they have not in the playoffs under Jeff Albert. I don't know if that's more a result of the approach that he takes or the the, the approach that the Cardinals take. When Tony LaRusso was here, the Cardinals did a better job of advanced scouting than anybody in baseball. I don't know what they're doing now. I don't know if they advanced scouted Philadelphia. But there were certainly issues, whether it was approach in that series or whether it was uh, scouting and having a scouting report on the opposition that prevented the Cardinals from being as good as they ha- had been most of the season. Is there a, 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 a drastic shift from regular season pitching to postseason pitching? Like, is it, is it so, so drastic that if you are doing something hitting-wise for the entire regular season that if you don't adapt for the postseason, you're just not going to hit the ball? Is that, is that fair to say, or is it it's still, big thing, it's still baseball? It is, but 
the pitches are going to be better, obviously. That's the thing. Yeah. With with Pittsburgh and with Chicago and with Cincinnati, Zach Wheeler's not walking through that door. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And neither is Nola. That's yeah. the difference. Okay. Uh, that, that makes sense. Yeah. Just not happening. Uh, I'm sick of it. Another offseason, another high-profile free agent that we will drool, drool all over and not sign, a.k.a. Trey Turner. Oh, I, I know the Cardinals aren't going to get him. But I, that doesn't mean I can't drool over him. That, that's your, he's, that's your, he's my guy. He's your guy. But he's not coming here. I mean, probably not. It's going to cost a lot of money. going to have to open up the pocketbook. I would think that he'd probably be a $28 million a year guy. I don't think the Cardinals are going there. I think they've got their $28 million a year guys, and I don't think they're going to sign any more of them. Yeah. And by the way, the Cardinals are reticent, I guess is the word, to sign free agents, especially free agents, to big long-term contracts. That's not a mistake that Goldie and Arenado were acquired via trade. Yeah, and in a situation where they could maybe lock them up for long-term on their on their yeah. kind of ter- their own per, you know terms, essentially. I believe the Cardinals' biggest free leverage. agent signing ever is Mike Leak, right? Eighty-five million. Yeah. Fowler got eighty-two and a half. That didn't. It didn't yeah. work. Those How did that no, work? Not great. Huh? Yeah, when those, the, when those are the two you list, it's a pretty good. <laughs> don't, Randy, pretty don't talk about that. Yeah. And again, well, you said it, but they not, spent money. They did. That's what I was going to say. You talked about it. They have their twenty twenty-five million dollar players. One of them is pretty much already at this point a guaranteed Hall of Famer in Arenado. Paul Goldschmidt's going to be knocking on the door if he if he plays for another six or seven seasons. And how are people going to complain when those are the ones you're spending twenty twenty five million dollars right. on? That's that's just spending your money right at, at, at this point. I'm sick of waiting for the Blues to start. Yeah, so yeah, it's the rest of the league. Yeah. yeah, we are too. So are we all. Saturday night, right here on 101 ESPN. Let's go Blues. One more. One more. <laughs> all right. This this I feel like this one could have been. Uh, gotten yesterday but maybe they missed uh uncle randy they said i'm sick of being single and internet dating is stupid mm, you're not doing okay. it right fella no here's the thing i believe if i'm not mistaken if you google it like 50 percent of all marriages now are the result of inter- internet dating online. Really? I, would, I would have to mm-hmm. say like the last three or four marriages of friends of mine that i went to they met on a dating app mm. yeah it's it, it seems smart to me i mean do you do you really want to start a marriage with somebody that you took home from a bar? <laughs> I'm just asking. <laughs> and people, here's a, here's another part of this. And you talk to young people, and I get it. Guys don't want to ask girls out at work anymore because they're afraid they'll get in trouble. Yeah, well, no, you have that. I think it's a, just a way. It, well, Randy, it's not bad if you work with somebody. It's just don't be creepy. Right, right. Don't be, if she says no, then just walk away. But here's the thing. You never know when somebody's going to go to HR and think that that was inappropriate. Nah. nah I, I think, think people are, I, I legitimately think people are worried about, guys are worried about that. Yeah. What, what, what would you say? I know this is not Uncle Randy, but what yeah. would you say is the best place for a single man to find a young lady? That's Other not, than the internet. Not on the internet? Not on dating app. Okay. Again, sounds creepy, but... Back in my day, I met, <laughs> I met multiple people that met their bride in a grocery store, like in the produce section. Ah, you did say that. You told, yeah. you said that. Yeah. 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 Okay. I don't know if that still plays. I mean, it, people it, 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 people go to the grocery store. You have Men, to. Yeah, women. Don't, don't alike, have much choice. You, know, yep. you got to eat. So why did the Cardinals offense struggle in those two games against Philly? We're going to ask Greg Amzinger of MLB Network that question next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It 
is a beautiful morning in St. Louis, Missouri. Check the uh, old temperature here. It's only 45 degrees, but it's going to get up to 64 today. It'll be perfect golf weather this afternoon. Let's head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, and a guy who enjoys his perfect golf weather is the one, the only Greg Amzinger of MLB Network, native of St. Louis, product of Lindenwood University. And uh, I think he's going to be in town next week for a little event that we've got going on at Lindenwood. How are you doing, Greg? I am going to be. I, I, I'm trying to land a tuxedo. I am oh. the MC of the Homecoming Gala. Um, I'm working on material. I do have one joke about Randy Carricker. I don't know if you're going to be in attendance, but I know everyone will laugh. So that's why I've got you in my little opening act. But yeah, I will be in town on uh, well next Friday, and I look forward to it. That's going to be great. Okay, let's start with the quick demise of the Cardinals. What was your assessment of what happened to them and why? So I always thought, and I didn't say this last week, but when I mean, what a difference a week makes, right? The Cardinals going into the playoffs, the only way they won, the, they could win the World Series is if they avoided an elimination game. What do I mean by that? Because of, of the attention Albert and Yachty were receiving, an elimination game was going to get overly emotional. You were going to feel the tension because, oh, my gosh, this could be their last bat. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. You can feel it. And even though they got hits in their last at-bats, which was actually epic, by the way, an overlooked side story of that game, uh, that is what they had to avoid. And, and, and there's a way to do it. We've seen teams avoid elimination games to win the World Series. But they had to avoid that. They didn't avoid that. And, and losing game one was the ultimate backbreaker. The ultimate backbreaker. And, and, and the grief Ali Marmel received from losing that game is ridiculous to me. Helsley's your guy. He's your guy. There's one out in the ninth inning. There's no one on base. You can't tell me the game was mismanaged. When your best reliever's on the mound, he already pitched in the eighth. He didn't tell you he couldn't feel his fingers in the eighth. You're, you're two outs away from winning the game. You're two nothing, no one on, one out in the ninth. He did not mismanage that game. I know things went haywire afterwards. Injuries happened. Freaky things happened. He was your guy. Hells is your guy. It just happens. And it was a great year and an unforgettable year. But the Cardinals had to avoid elimination games, which they didn't do and led to their demise. So, Greg, the season is over for for the Cardinals and and for Cardinal fans. What is the most important thing going into next season uh, that they need? Is it a catcher? Is it is it a center fielder? Is it is it a second baseman? What do you think their most important piece uh, will be going into next season? I think catching. I think you have to get a a bona fide legit catcher. I like Andrew Kisner. I think he's a really good guy, uh, a student of the game, and pitchers like throwing to him. But you're going to need a legit presence back there. You cannot understate the impact of Yadier Molina all these years. And, you know, I didn't know this, but Yadier's actually, nationally speaking, more polarizing of a Hall of Fame candidate than I thought. That I just assumed everyone knew how important the role of a catcher is and, and all of the different details that, that he impacted that don't show up in a box score. But again, this is a new age of baseball fan, and they don't necessarily watch as much. They claim to be fans, but really they're fans of their fantasy team, a lot of them. And, right. oh, well, Yachty did a home run tonight. That bothers me. So uh, Yachty's impact on the team is massive. For him not to be there at all and he's done, they're going to have to get a, a bona fide leader 
and someone who can become an offensive force in some way in the bottom third of their batting order. So I think getting a catcher is imperative for the Cardinals. Greg Amsinger, is free agent Wilson Contreras a legitimate leader behind the plate? I do think so. I, I know people uh, roll their eyes at the thought, and, and many of those people are front office executives. He didn't get traded because of his track record. I mean, he can be... I used the word polarizing earlier. He can be a polarizing figure. But my goodness, does he want to win. He really, really wants to win. I want guys like that on my team. And offensively, you know what kind of a player he is. Defensively, he wants to squat. He wants to catch 130 or more games. Uh, To me, it makes so much sense. He he was asked about the Cardinals, whether or not that would be a destination for him in free agency. And he said, hey, if if they're interested, I'm interested. I I think he should be a target for the St. Louis Cardinals. He'd be a great fit. He he has always admired Yadier Molina for what he did in his career. And I know a former Cub is not normally the way to go, but Wilson Contreras would kind of like to stick it to the Cubs. And that added incentive, I think, could be fun in St. Louis. Hey, Greg, I want to shift gears a little bit and and talk about some games from last night, specifically the Padres and Dodgers. Uh, The Dodgers had the best winning record of all teams in baseball this season. Uh, But I believe that the Padres have a chance to win this series. Am I crazy or not? No, you're not crazy. And I was wondering... And I had one question going into the series. If all things are equal and the starting pitching is the same and you enter the bullpen, a battle of the bullpens, who's better? We saw it in game two. Hugh Darvish gave up three runs. Clayton Kershaw gives up three runs. It's now a battle of the bullpens. No one saw this 31-year-old Venezuelan rookie, Robert Suarez, coming mm-hmm. to 101 miles an hour with a nasty sinker. This kid came in and threw two innings. No, no, a couple of hits, no runs, outstanding. The difference maker in this series is Josh Hader. He talked about how he's now using his legs more. He was too circular earlier. His first six games with the Padres, he gave up 13 runs. His last 12 games with the Padres, he's given up one run. He's throwing 100 miles an hour. We've never seen Josh Hader do that. Even in his peak performance with the Milwaukee Brewers, his fastball was 93-94, but it's got a lot of Mitch Williams deception. If you remember the wild thing with the Philadelphia Phillies in 93, he's falling down the mound. His hair is flailing at you. It's hard to pick up his fastball. He cross-fires, right? We've never seen him with this uptick in velocity. I know it wasn't exactly a perfect four outs that he got, but if he's doing 100 miles an hour, he's better than what the Dodgers have. They've got a 36-year-old guy with nine career saves. Chris Martin is the closer of the Dodgers. The battle of the bullpens favor the Padres. I think the Padres will knock off the giant Dodgers in this series. So, Padres Braves for the National League pennant? I'm going with the Philadelphia Phillies. I know. I know. (laughs) We We cannot overlook how important game one was in this division series. This is a best of five, folks. This might not go back to Atlanta. I really am concerned as to what we're going to see from Spencer Strider, who ended the season on the IL. This is a rookie pitcher who has thrown more than he's ever thrown. We're expecting this rookie of the year favorite to just be the same ace-like pitcher. Max Fried looked terrible in game one. Kyle Wright is the most important starter for the Atlanta Braves now. Charlie Morton is not getting 
the ball in one of the first three games. He's pushing 40. They don't have as much confidence in him as they originally had. I personally love the bullpen of the Atlanta Braves, but you cannot utilize a bullpen when you're losing 4-1 to one after six innings. So I really am worried about the Atlanta Braves. Spencer Strider is the key. He's going to have to be great. The, 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 the scene at Citizens Bank in Philadelphia is going to be crazy. And I, I really think with Bryce Harper coming out of his shell, the, the thumb is feeling better. I would love to see them move Kyle Schwarber out of the leadoff spot. He's been terrible there so far this postseason. I don't like an average of 222 in the leadoff spot. I'm not a fan of that. I'd like to see Darren Judge move down one spot for the New York Yankees. Not going to happen. There are smarter people than me. But anyway, I do think the Philadelphia Phillies are becoming the Cinderella of this postseason, and I got them knocking out the Atlanta Braves. See, I, I felt the I felt that they wouldn't go back to Atlanta, but I felt it would be because Atlanta won the series in in Philly, and I felt that way just because of uh, once Atlanta gets to their bullpen, I, I think that Atlanta has the better lineup and they're the better team uh, if they're able to get you know those those Philly starters out of the game. I'm with you, I, and their bullpen. I love their bullpen. I think Rysel Iglesias might be the ultimate weapon of all the teams that that are left in terms of a multiple inning strike thrower. He didn't walk anybody. That was a great acquisition by the Braves. Canley looked great last night. I mean, he was elevating that that cutter, and it was almost unhittable. I'm still worried that the Braves are going to be losing after six innings. So you can have the bullpen, and it's great. The only way I I say the Padres can beat the Dodgers in the battle of the bullpens is if all things are being equal. The Dodgers' starting staff is not what it used to be. Walker Buehler out for the year. You know, Dustin May dealing with injuries. This is not what it used to be. So I think all things will be equal in starting pitching. The Phillies' starting staff is the most underrated in the game. Aaron Nola, I don't need to tell Cardinal fans how good Aaron Nola is. He was great. He's going to be great in Philadelphia. I'm just worried about the starting staff of the Braves. And if you're losing after six, all right, good luck with your bullpen. I know the Phillies have a top-step bullpen. I get it, I get it, I get it. The David Robertson injury is massive. He's got a great cape for nine for a guy that doesn't throw high octane. But I do think the Phillies will edge this thing out. It might go back to Atlanta. But the starting pitching I'm now concerned with for the Braves. Hey, Greg, one more thing. The more I watch these playoffs, the more I believe that baseball is going to be dramatically, I mean dramatically different next year, and it's going to be for the better, whether it's reduced velocity, people getting uh, their bat on the ball more. The not having, I, I think one of the underrated parts of not having the shift is infielders having to have their feet on the dirt. I think that's going to make a huge difference, and I think it's for the better. The bigger bases, uh, as you watch, and as, especially after you watch that minor league game with the new rules, do you think it's going to be a completely different game? Completely different game. Completely different game. I go back in time. Remember when Ricky Henderson stole 130 bags? Mm -hmm. He was caught 40 times. He was thrown out 40 times. He was running every time he got on base. He was only running. (laughs) We're going to go back to this. This is what it's going to be like to watch a Major League Baseball game. I mean, if you go back, we, we were showing like epic old games, and we're back in the 60s on MLB Network, or we're showing a Bob Gibson game. Watching Bob Gibson get the ball and throw it, the game was flying. He's throwing strikes. He's striking people out. It was. It, it, there were games that were like an hour and 40 minutes. And this is what it's going to be like to watch a Major League Baseball game. Having the pitch clock in the playoffs, you have no idea how different that's going to be. For relievers, it's going to speed the game up on relievers. Bullpenning is going to go out the window. 
these max effort guys that need to recoup to throw 101 and they take 40 seconds to do it, they're going to be throwing 94. And because they're not a starter, they don't have command. So that 94 is going to sink over the middle of the plate, and that's why it's going to get squared up and barreled. You're going to need starting pitchers who can command the baseball, who can elevate the uh, you know eye level. They can change speeds. That's the guy that's going to survive and thrive. And and Juan Soto, who's had four balls caught in shallow right field, missiles that were caught by second baseman playing shallow right field are going to be weapons again because you can't dramatically shift them. More action on the bases. If you if you square up a baseball against a pitcher, he doesn't get credited for getting you out because the shift won't be there. This is going to be the brand of baseball we fell in love with. People ask me all the time, how does Major League Baseball get fans younger? They need a younger fan base. Well, let me think. I'll go back in time to when I was younger. Why did I fall in love with baseball? Because the Cardinals played great defense in the 80s. They were always running the bases. They scored on a, on a double every time when there was someone <laughs> at first base. Right? It was fun baseball to watch. So let's get baseball back to that style of play, and you'll see youngsters all about putting their cleats on and playing baseball. Nobody wants to be a free agent more than Colton Wong. He, he doesn't want that option picked up. Yeah. <laughs> Why do you say that? Because the Nolan Gormans of the world aren't going to be able to play second base anymore. You're absolutely right. Right? Mike Moustakis can't play second nope. base anymore. You're going to need someone who actually has the ability to cover ground. And, and yeah, Max Muncy, you're back to being a DH, I think, buddy. Yep. You're never a plus defender at third base. You're really not that good of a first baseman. Hiding you in a shift, that stuff goes away. It's an ugly <laughs> style of baseball. It's going to be prettier to actually have defenders on the field. I'll end with this. I asked Ozzie Smith, hey, how long do you think it would take you to get to the big leagues nowadays with the way they evaluate talent? And he laughed at me. He goes, Greg, I'm not good enough to make it to the big leagues today. I'm like, what? You're the greatest defensive player in the history of the game. He's like, but who needs a great defensive player when they've got your your teammate standing four feet to your left and right. There would be no need for me in the big leagues. So I wouldn't make it in the big leagues anymore. That's a crime. That can't happen. We need a thousand Ozzie Smiths running around. That's better for baseball, and we're going to get it again. Hey, Greg, the only other player that I've ever heard said about that – uh, he's not that great of a first baseman. Was Jose Martinez? I mean, that's the unkindest cut of all for Max Muncy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor Jose Martinez. The dude didn't have a position. They kept throwing gloves at him, and he didn't like any of it. <laughs> he could. The one thing you'll say about Jose Martinez's defense is he could hit. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly right. Hey, have a great day and a great weekend. You're the best. Thanks a lot. All right. Take care, guys. See you later. That's our friend Greg Amzinger at MLB Network. (laughs) Best thing you can say about his defense is he He can hit. hit. (laughs) Take it or leave it. It's coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? Put it out there. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, set it right back. Get your text into 65780 and give us your Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it. (laughs) 
We welcome your text to the Air Comfort Service text line, 65780. Carrie Davis, Matthew Rocchio, Randy Carricker, and CD. We talked at the top of the show about the story at ESPN.com about Daniel Snyder and about how he has dirt on other NFL owners. Take it or leave it. By the start of the 2023 football season, Daniel Snyder is still the owner of the Washington Commanders. Take it. I mean, he, he, he told you all he's got dirt. Don't and and he said you can't mess with him. He didn't say mess. Mm-hmm. They can't mess <laughs> with me. Uh, he has the information that they don't want to be uh, leaked, and so no, he's not going anywhere. And and that's the answer to the question that we've all been asking: Why, after all of these emails, all of these instances where you're seeing and hearing about Daniel Snyder, why is he still the owner? Well, that's why. I'm going to leave it. I think they're going to find a way to get him you out. You think so? 650,000 pages of investigative work by the NFL. And and listen, he said it himself. The NFL is the mafia. Mm-hmm. They, But with that being said, he has all of the information that can put the mafia in, in prison. So you think I mean, if, if it's the mafia, if it's really the mafia, it's only one way to get yeah. rid of them, right? That's so, true. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. I don't yeah. know. And they are. There's, there's no doubt about it. They are the mafia. Uh, Tax evasion? Listen, That's the one way to get rid of them. No, I'm talking about getting rid of him. It's only uh, yeah. one way. You take a car I've, ride. I've and, seen those movies. Yeah. Out to Vegas. <laughs> There's some, some dirt and some sand and, you know, yeah. some shovels in the trunk. I don't know. <laughs> I've seen it. <laughs> so we got the, the, we saw a couple of weeks ago, well, last week, Draymond Green punching uh, Jordan Poole, and that was on video. Um, the Lakers have added Patrick Beverly to a team with uh, Russell Westbrook. And then Russell Westbrook and Patrick Beverly have had their, um, you know, Run-ins in the past. Pat ran into him literally one season and ended the season for him. Uh, messed up his knee. Take it or leave it. We're not going to have to have TMZ show us the fight. We'll see it live in person on the sideline. Carrie, I'm going to take that. Yeah, <laughs> that's going to be during a game. During a televised yeah. game. Somebody's getting. It's flattened. going to be a fight between those two. Who wins? Ooh. I think Pat Bev, he's he's got some sandpaper. You know, paper. I think yeah, I think it's going to be a draw because I I. Russell Westbrook, as as crazy as he may dress and whatever you want to say about his 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 clothing, mm-hmm. he's got a lot of grit to him, and and I don't think he's the type of person. I tell you what, he's not gonna get punched in the face and just stand there and, and allow himself to be punched. I'm wary of people that never smile. <laughs> Neither one of them really no, smiles. They, don't, they so. don't. It's gonna be a long season. All right, Matthew, what do we got? Take it or leave it. If Wayno comes back, he might not have a spot in the rotation. I'm going to leave that. If he comes back, Ooh. he is signed as the number one, and then it's Mike Matts as the number one as the yep. as the opening day yep. starter. Yes, over Flaherty, over Michaelis, over yeah, Matt Montgomery. Montgomery. Yeah, so it, it's Wayno, Flaherty, Michaelis, Matts, Montgomery. Oh, if as Wayno wrote yesterday on Twitter and told us, we're going to talk about this coming up at the top of the hour. If indeed he had not been hit by a batted ball, he would have started game one of the playoffs. Yeah, I'll take it. I, I, I think, eh, I'll take it. He, he, he'll, well, am I taking it or leaving it? Yeah, leaving you're, it. you're taking that he'll be on the I'm rotation. I'm taking that he'll be on the rotation. I'm leaving that he won't be, yes. Yeah. Take it or leave it. The Blues win another championship before the Cardinals. Ooh, Ooh that's that. That is a really good one. I think the five, it's, seven, three. it's so hard. It's harder to win a Stanley Cup than it is to win a World Series. You think so? Although it might be more difficult in baseball now if you aren't one of those first two teams. Even though Greg picked the two two teams that did have the <laughs> buys. He picked against the teams that had the buys. I still think it's harder 
to win a Stanley Cup, and so much has to go your way. I'm going to leave it just based on the odds. Even though the season is longer in baseball, you have it just feels like it's 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 you know it's it's more tiring for for a baseball season than it is hockey absolutely you're running into people in hockey but i'm going to i'm going to leave it i'm going to i'm going to leave it i th- i think yeah i'll leave it okay i'll leave it take it or leave it ohio state versus usc national championship leave it ooh usc really leave it usc's they're a year away yeah that's what i'm that's what i'm thinking and, and is it one of those things where maybe they sneak it's, in because because the SEC cannibalizes itself too much no, this year? It'll still be no. the SEC champion, yeah. right? It's, yeah, the it's SEC gonna, champion is still going to be the well, championship game. It's going to be Georgia or Alabama one versus I, I, Ohio State. Now, now, I, I, hey, you think those cannibalize? Two, yeah, okay. I think they're going to. I think they're going to cancel themselves out. So you'll have one of them, and and if they don't perform well, Georgia it, it, they sputtered against Mizzou. Alabama they 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 sputtered against mm, Texas A and M. It's going to be. I think those two, those those guys are eventually going to cancel each other. I don't know that a Clemson can get in. I don't know that you have two Big Ten teams in. But I don't see a Pac-12 USC team yeah. as a as a national championship uh, game. Not this year. By the way, I think it's important to still consider Michigan, and this could be a big weekend because the number one offense, and it's not even close, is Josh Heupel's Tennessee offense. Points, yards, and they play Alabama this weekend. Tennessee is number eight in the country, I believe, maybe higher than that now. Tennessee could very well find themselves in the SEC championship game. They could. Man, that would be a surprise of all surprises, considering how that... that, Based on the beginning of the year? (laughs) And the way that that program has been going for, I guess, the last 15, 20 years, he's doing a very good job for them. I wonder if... There's, well, you don't have the same people in place. But Mizzou fired Barry Odom, and they let Josh Heupel walk away. Josh nah, Heupel's doing a pretty good not, job. Not a great deal. No. no. Not great. Not great. Take it or leave it. Uh, Carlos Correa signs a one-year deal. I'm going to leave that. I would think he'd be more apt to just not opt out of Minnesota than sign a one-year deal somewhere. I'll leave it. He's got, I think it's a three-year, $105 million deal. So I, my guess would be that rather than even considering a one-year deal, he would just opt back into Minnesota. And we talked about it yesterday. We uh, we had a take it or leave it that was three thirty goal scores for the Blues. Both of you guys took it, and we have a texter today who says, "Take it or leave it." Brendan Saad will be one of the thirty goal scorers. Leave it. I'll leave it. Kairu, Vucinovich, Tarasenko. Tarasenko. If yeah. he if Saad scores thirty, this team is a hundred points. Well, Bennington better be healthy. Well, I mean that. I mean that's they, would, they would be <laughs> God. Those. I mean they would be. Winning, they would be like losing games like six to five. Right. If, if Sod's like at, at that scoring point <laughs> yeah. and Bennington's not good, yep. they. I mean, but if they're scoring like that though again this season, they're going to be. They're going to be a, a fun team to watch. Yep. By the way, Tennessee sixth in the AP poll and in the coaches poll, they are number eight. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. And thank you very much for your text. Yes, you. I was just going to ask what what number is Illinois ranked? Oh, the I L L I N I in the coaches poll. <laughs> Coaches are stupid. In the in the uh, said it like five times. Yeah, in the, in the AP they're twenty fourth. Okay, coaches pull their twenty. I, no, twenty six, twenty seven. Rock, I just want to make sure it hadn't changed. The coaches I, are I, stupid. I just want to make yeah, they don't know anything. No. I just want to make sure it hadn't changed. We're twenty four. Is Mizzou? So he, is Mizzou comes out Sunday and that's it. Yep. That's, that's, <laughs> that's the only time it comes out. Carry. Listen, I'll yeah. tell you what. If Mizzou makes it to the Big Ten championship game, I'm gonna be. It's gonna be hard for you all in here. Illinois. Illinois. Illinois I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Illinois, you got me talking about Mizzou. Illinois makes it to the to the Big Ten championship game. It's going to be hard.
for for everybody. To, I'm gonna be tough to be around. I'm gonna. It's gonna be I L L every other word. I hey. just middle of a conversation. I L L. During the basketball season, I sat with Smallman for a couple of years. There you Don't go. worry about hey, it. I know. See? I know insufferable hey. when I see it. Yes. <laughs> Coming up next on 101 ESPN, Adam Wainwright says what the problem was down the stretch and says, yeah, it can be fixed. That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the Opening Drive's fresh take. Brought to you by Schnooks Rewards. It pays to shop at Schnooks. Download the Schnooks Rewards app today. And our trainers have a theory on it. I'm not giving into it. And I got hit by a ball in my left knee. And my left knee swelled up real big and my calf wouldn't turn it on. So I couldn't really stick my landing like I wanted to. And they're convinced that that's when I started pulling off with my, my front arm real bad. When I started having to try to create something instead of just letting my delivery work for itself. And that's just not how pitching is effective. My front hip is flying open. My front arm is flying open. So I'm telling you, if I spent one minute in front of the mirror and in the bullpen mound yesterday, I spent almost an hour and a half doing it. Just locking in my front side where it needs to be again and, and trying to get back on target because at this point, it's not a fatigue issue. It's a mechanical issue. That is Adam Wainwright down the stretch with us here on 101 ESPN. Yesterday, Adam appeared to give into it. He said the trainers suggested this was the issue for him and you heard at the beginning of the cut. He said, but I'm not giving into it. Yeah, But when you look at the results and you determine down the stretch that you're throwing better because you fixed your mechanics, it seems clear that getting hit by that bad ball against Atlanta CD was the issue that Adam Wainwright had in his struggles down the stretch. What did you take out of that? Well, I, I took out of it that it, he, he did <laughs> agree finally, mm-hmm. but I also took out of it that he... It sounds to me like he plans on coming back. That's what I thought, to too. To me, when he wrote that, you know, on Twitter, you can go to his Twitter page. When he wrote it, it seemed as though he was giving you the reason, not an excuse, but the reason why he performed poorly, letting you know that, you know, he's not satisfied at all with the performance that he he delivered down the stretch and that, in his mind, he wants to come back and, and rectify that situation and make it better as a as a send-off for himself and for Cardinals fans. So that not, that is not the lasting image or memory that you have of him. It's of him walking out and, and doing what we've seen him do his entire career and win games. Adam explained on Twitter what was happening, and then he wrapped up by saying, let me say this. It's my fault. I didn't stay diligent enough with my wor- film work to catch it immediately. It wasn't something I had struggled with before. The zip and crispness to my stuff returned as soon as we locked in on the problem. What I was attributing to dead arm was an awful delivery. The end of the season should have been way different for me. And who knows what happens if I'm sharp down the stretch. I feel terrible about it. Y'all deserve better. My team deserved better. I owed an explanation. So there you go. Go Cardinals. And I think that when he says... I should have, uh, the end of the season should have been way different for me. I get out of that that I need a different end of a season yeah. next year. Yeah, a competitor, um, a guy that, that does not give in easily or at all and just wants to win by, by any means necessary. And I think just when you have that competitive edge, that competitive nature, uh, he doesn't want to go out on a, on, a, mm-hmm. on, a, on a low like that. Just knowing that he could have performed better, knowing that 
the team was relying on him. And he said himself, he the way that he pitched down the stretch, he felt that he played himself out of a starting uh, a starting opportunity in the playoffs in the postseason. Um, so just knowing that all of those things took place and not being able to to correct it soon enough, it probably is going to eat away at him the entire offseason until he has that opportunity. And maybe a little bit through the season until he has a chance to get to the postseason again and show us and show everyone that he is who he is. And, and when he's right, he's one of the best pitchers that we've ever seen here. I had one other observation about the tweet yesterday. One of the other things that Adam wrote on Twitter was, without knowing it, after that game when he got hit by the batted ball, my stride length got shorter by almost a foot. Timing was thrown off. That had never been a problem for me in the past. My stride length has always been very consistent. When you're an athlete, you are just trying to get, especially at that time of year, you're just trying to get through the day. But there has to be somebody on the staff that notices that a pitcher's stride length is a foot less than what it had been. I, I To an extent, I can get a pitcher because he's just trying to find anything he can to right. succeed. Right? He, and he, ultimately, he did. There have to be people on the staff somewhere to recognize, especially with all the analytics and all the film and all of the, well, not the film, but all of the video that that we have. Somebody has to recognize this. It's not Adam Wainwright. Well, that's the thing, Randy. There is so much film that you can watch, so much video you can watch and and replay it over and over again. If you ever sat in the film room with a coach, how many times, it becomes annoying how many times they rewind, rewind, rewind. Look at this step. You stepped wrong. Look at your hand placement. Those are the things that as a coach you recognize because you're teaching it and you're coaching it. And if you are a coach, a manager, a pitching coach, whatever, and you're not realizing those minute details, those are the things that are the difference from winning baseball and losing baseball. And, and you know, it's unfortunate that even, but even Adam didn't notice it because mm-hmm. that's what he's been doing his entire career. So you would assume that after doing it for 15, 16 years, you know exactly where you land every single time. But when you're just trying to get it there, sometimes you may have to feel like you're making adjustments. And I think it was just Everybody. They didn't catch it. They didn't catch it soon enough. And now you're realizing it and it's over. The season is over. But going forward, those are the things that as coaches, you have to you have to catch even when your own player does not. Let me tell you a quick story about the value of teammates. One time, I think it was 2010. I can find the exact game for you if I want to go to the trouble. In Cincinnati, Wainwright got knocked out early. And he goes over to the bench and Chris Carpenter comes up to him and says, let me show you something. They go back to the film room, and Chris Carpenter has noticed a flaw in Adam's delivery, mm-hmm. and Adam came out the next game and rocked and rolled. And I asked Adam about it after his next game. I said, how long did it take you after Chris showed you what we, you were doing wrong to fix it? He said, all he had to do was show me one pitch. Right. Because sometimes your teammates have a better idea of what you're doing wrong than you do. That that brings me to the point. Mike Trout this 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 season, he was in the outfield showing his teammate, he was tipping his pitches. He was showing them with his glove, hey, every time and he has a he's behind him. He's looking directly in and they're they're rocking. I don't remember what pitcher it was, but they're rocking him and he's telling them, you're doing something with your glove before you pitch this certain pitch. And and it's those things as teammates, you watch a guy all day every day and you see what they do well what they don't don't do well and when there's one one thing that's just slightly off you can pick it up and say hey that that's wrong or or hey why'd you do that it, it may not be that's wrong but why'd you do I did that did I do that there you go oh 
I, I'm not supposed to do that. Okay, mm-hmm. let me <laughs> let me go back. You see, I've never seen you do that before. Why are you doing this with your shoulder? Or why are you not stepping here? You you step there every time. So as a teammate, as a coach, and as a, as a player yourself, you would hope someone would have been able to see it. Unfortunately, no one did, and and here we are now. So, no official word from Adam. Hopefully, he'll uh, he'll reveal his decision here. Yes, come on in, Adam. Come yeah. on, Wayno. Come, come let us know. Yeah, we know you're listening. Yeah. So come on. Uh, that's today's <laughs> Fresh Take on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we're going to head into the Blues booth. John Kelly is next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Blues booth. Presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors, a proud partner of your St. Louis Blues. Find your perfect new floor at our four convenient locations and online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. The Blues opener is Saturday night against Columbus at Enterprise Center. You'll hear it here on 101 ESPN. Columbus opened their season last night at Carolina, a 4-1 loss, and uh, Columbus will play one other game before they make it here to St. Louis on Saturday. Carrie, Randy, and we head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line into the Blues booth and the TV voice of the Blues. I'm Bally Sports. John Kelly joins us. JK, good morning. How you doing? I'm doing great, guys. How are you? Everything's good, and I know that uh, you watch tons of hockey. What was your game of choice last night? And Carrie and I were just talking about Colorado and that win over Chicago. Colorado is still really, 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 really good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they're really good, obviously. And, uh, you know, I watched the banner-raising ceremony, and it was a— it was a cool thing, and uh, you know they they won easily. You know, quite honestly, even whether their captain Gabe Landeskog who didn't play. Um, so you know, we know they're a really good team, and probably the the favorites going in. Um, I, I watched all of the Columbus game, by the way, and you know, one big note from that game, guys, was that Patrick Laine, who scored their only goal, got hurt in the game. It looked like he hurt his arm or elbow, and and left the game midway through. So. His status um, is certainly up in the air. You know, you look at Columbus's road trip to start the season, um, last night in Carolina, tomorrow night in Tampa Bay, and Saturday in St. Louis. You could argue that that would be the hardest road trip for any team ever to start a season. I mean, those are three really tough road games, and, you know, that's tough for Columbus, obviously, to lose Patrick Laine last night. Hey, John, uh, watching all of this hockey and, and knowing that the Blues haven't started, are you chomping at the bit ready to ready to get the season started? Oh, 100%. <laughs> it's really disappointing to me that the Blues are going to be the last team to open their season. But, you know, that's the way the schedule works. But, uh, no, I love hockey. Obviously, you guys know that. And can't wait to get going. We're going to have an hour pregame show on Saturday night on Valley Sports Midwest. And, uh, you know, after that, the Blues go on a three-game road trip. So, I know that interest in, in the Blues is really high. Their, their season ticket sales are, are really good this year. And, uh, you, know, you know, driving around St. Louis and seeing people, there's, there's a buzz in the air. And uh, people are really excited for this year's team and for good reason. And, John, as we head into the season, we look at the Central Division. To me, there's a lot of question marks. Many times you have a pretty good idea of what you're going to get out of, out of a division, but a new coach in Dallas, Minnesota has a new goalie. Arizona is up in the air. Winnipeg has a new coach. The Blackhawks, uh, boy, that, it looks like it's going to be a rough season in Chicago. It just seems there's like a lot of unknown in the, in the NHL Central Division. 
Well, I think it's still a deep division, though, Randy. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with you, though. I, I think that there are a couple of things that are that are certain. You know, certainly Colorado, Nashville, the Blues look to be the class of the division. And it looks like at the other end, Arizona and Chicago are going to really struggle. And in between, you have the likes of, as you said, Minnesota um, and Dallas and Winnipeg. You know, you don't really know what you're going to get from from those three teams. You know, the, the team that I like of that group, I, I like Minnesota. I mean, they finished with more points in the Blues last year. Now, they did lose Cam Talbot, so there's going to be more of a workload on Marc-Andre Fleury. Um, but I think that they have a really good program there, um, headed up by former Blue Bill Guerin, and uh, their coach, Dean Everson, appears to do a really good job. And Dallas, with Jake Ottinger, that young goaltender, um, he's a really good goaltender. So, um, as you said, they, they do have a new coach in Pete DeBoer, um, so things are changing down there a little bit. So, you know, I could see Dallas going either way. You know, I think they're going to be a bubble team, and we'll see how it plays out during the season. Hey, John, we I think we're all believing that this is going to be a, a an outstanding season for the Blues. Which team would you feel like is the, the most, the biggest threat in the Western Conference for them to, to come out of there to potentially make it to the Stanley Cup? The biggest threat for the Blues? Yeah. Well, obviously Colorado. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're still a, a, the class of, to me, the, the West, you know, if, if not the league, even though they did lose, you know, their, their starting goaltender, Kemper, and uh, their second-line center, Kadri, is now in Calgary. So, you know, anytime you have the defending Stanley Cup champions coming back with their top line intact and, you know, watching Kale McCarr on defense again last night for Colorado, you know, everyone talks about Connor McDavid and, and McKinnon as the best players, but this guy might impact the game more than any player. You know, it's really, I know it's subjective, um, but obviously McCarr plays a lot more than those guys on a nightly basis, and he impacts the game so much. So they're just a loaded team. So I would say, obviously, Colorado is the biggest uh, threat to, to the Blues coming out of the Central and the West. The TV voice of the Blues, John Kelly, with us on 101 ESPN. J.K., uh, Craig Bruby was on with the Fastlane guys yesterday talking about the chemistry that Letty and Pareko enjoy together. And we see the same thing with Krug and Falk, and they knew each other before both came here to St. Louis. Uh, sometimes you can have a group of defensemen, that, that, but they don't necessarily fit together as a unit. What do you think of the Blues and the way this group is, is put together, aside from just the individual talent? Well, I think that obviously the coach knows about chemistry. He's inside the locker room every day and, and watches. I, I, I was really impressed with Letty last year. You know, I think I've talked about this before with you guys, is he's just such a smart player and he's so calm back there. You know, plays with the same kind of calmness that Jay Bolmeister did, quite honestly, when you come to think of it. You know, they're different players. Uh, Bolmeister obviously was a great defending player. Um, an excellent skater, great size, where Letty's, you know, uses his skating so well. So I think, you know, I think Pareko, you think about it, you know, he came in in 15-16 and had had great success early on and obviously a huge part of the cup team, but he's still a fairly young player. Um, so I think a guy like Letty can, can really play, you know, and calm him down at times. So I, I think it's a good mix, and obviously – you know, the season that Falk had last night and, you know, reunited with Tory Krug, it's it's really good. And, and I think that's a very dangerous pair as well because both Krug and Falk are, are capable of scoring 10 to 15 goals and jumping up at the play at any point. So, yeah, I really like the mix of the of the top two pairs. And, and obviously, 
Um, Mikkel is a guy that I, I think, as we talked last week, guys, there, there's a lot there. And, you know, there's a lot of room for improvement. And his pairing with Bortuzzo, two big guys who can play nasty and tough and kill penalties, I think they have a good mixture back there in defense. John, I want to go back to your comment with the comp with with Letty and Bowmeister because one of the things that Bruby said yesterday was that Letty is so effortless, and he wasn't making this comp. He said he, he plays in what appears to be such an effortless manner, you'd think he could play all 60 minutes, which is what I said a lot when I watched Jay Bowmeister play. And you talked about his skating and the, just the smoothness of his game. They share that too, don't they? An, an apparent effortlessness to to play the game. Yeah, you know, number one, they they are both and we're both great skaters. Mm-hmm. So, and I think going into last year's playoffs, um, I believe the Letty had played in 115 playoff games before last year, and I think that was number one in the Blues. So, you know, here's a guy that won a Stanley Cup with Chicago, had played in the Final Four twice with the Islanders. So, he he's very cool under pressure. So, uh, again, I think that you know his skating is so good, but also. He's a really good passer. And, you know, the Blues, to me, the last couple of years, they've transitioned a little bit into more of a rush team. And when you have a guy like Letty back there and, you know, really the top four defensemen as a group, they're all really good puck movers. So when you have that, it really feeds that transition game and and, and certainly helps when you get the puck up to the, the skill guys like the Kairos and the Shens and people like that. It certainly adds to the offense. Hey, Jacob, we had uh, Panger on yesterday, and I told him that uh, Nicolo, uh, Nico Mikola looks like he was about 6'8". On, he looks like the largest human being that I have ever seen uh, on skates. And he told me Torpchenko is, is bigger and a little bit <laughs> – is taller and a little bit bigger. Uh, how close is Torpchenko to getting healthy, and, and what does he add to this offense when he comes back? Well, you know, I, I've read some comments today from uh, Jeremy Rutherford, our friend. I guess he's going to be on later that – um, Ruby said it's really up to the, the medical people, the trainers and the doctors. Um, it's not really his call. So I, I did talk to Torpchenko about a week ago, and he's such, number one, he's such a nice guy. He speaks really good English. But he, he's really excited and worked so hard. He, he stayed in St. Louis all summer, worked every day, wasn't expected back until December or so. So the fact that we're even talking about Torpchenko being a possibility here to begin the season is quite remarkable. Um, I don't think based on, you know, what I've seen, and obviously I wasn't in, in uh, South Carolina with the team, but, you know, he, he's not on the top four lines right now as far as the line rushes. So it, it would be a surprise, obviously, if he was ready to go on the weekend, but um, he's certainly a lot closer than we thought, you know, going back to last spring. John Kelly, always great to have you with us. Thanks so much for the time. We'll be tuned in on Saturday night for the Blues and the Blue Jackets on Bally Sports, and we'll keep in mind that hour-long pregame show. And we love having you back in action. You're as good as it gets. Can't wait to get going, guys. Thanks for having me. We'll see you Saturday. Thank you, John. John Kelly, the TV voice of the Blues on 101 ESPN. The fight, coming your way next. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight. In the red corner, average Joe listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive. Please welcome Randy Carricker. Welcome back to the opening drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Matthew Rocchio, and it is time for the fight. 
and Rock. The last couple of days, you were uh, you were sweating back there. You, you we had a, a near Hall of Famer, a guest who who won two times in a row, almost won the third time. But but you know, Randy did what Randy does. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> a little, little sweat associated with coming up with these questions there, and there trying little, to make sure that they are uh, done properly. There was a little bit, uh, there was a little bit of a sweat, but I'm, I'm feeling good now. I thought we had a great fight on Wednesday. It was uh, very we good. almost, we almost completely blew it up when there was a little, when there was a little <laughs> confusion on the on the that, answer from the first. That was the, my fault this time. I won't put that one on you. But, I, I did hear it wrong, but we got through it okay, <laughs> and now we're here on a Thursday. We got a nice, clean, new fight, new fighter, new slate, everything. And uh, hopefully we have some fun today. No, no big consternation or issues with with the questions or the answers today. Indeed, the new fighter today is Chris. Chris, how you doing this morning? I'm alright. How you doing, CD? I'm doing well, man. Cannot complain. You you ready to go? I'm ready to go. All right, here we go. On Jerry Rice's last game as a 49er in Candlestick Park, Terrell Owens stole the show by setting an NFL single game record with how many receptions? Was it 18, 19, or 20? Hmm. I'm going to go with the middle. I'm going to go with 19. All right. There are only two players in NFL history to record 30 interceptions and 30 sacks in their career. Ray Lewis is one. Who is the only other? Is it Wilbur Marshall, Brian Urlacher, or Rodney Harrison? Oh, I don't think it's Wilbur Marshall. We got Urlacher and Rodney Harrison. Rodney Harrison used to blitz a lot. Um, but Erlacher, it's a toss up. I'm gonna do a flip and I'm gonna say Rodney Harrison. All right, Chris. Doc Rivers is the only coach in NBA history to lose multiple playoff series after leading three to one. It's happened three times in his career. Two of those times were with the Clippers. What team was he coaching for the other time it happened? Was it the Boston Celtics, the Philadelphia 76ers, or the Orlando Magic? I'm going to eliminate the magic. Um, I'm not sure if it happened with Boston, but Philly has always not really lived up to their potential. I'm going to go with Philly. All right, and happy birthday to our favorite crypt keeper turned NFL owner. That is Jerry Jones. In the Cowboys' 26th season since their Super Bowl 30 win, they've played 15 playoff games. How many have they won? Two, four, or six? Well, it hasn't been that many. I kind of despise the Cowboys as a 49ers fan. Um, I'm going to say four. All right. All right. Let's double check our score here. We got it right this time. I got it right this time. I got it right this time. I didn't mess up again. We're All right. To, Randy moved out of my plane of vision. I, I, I had him and then I lost him. Uh, he, he can't see you through the door. There you go. I tell you what, right now, you got to. I, I, just in case we do get there, I'm just going to say this right now. It's going to be an interesting. Uh, tiebreaker. Oh, yeah, if we that's should get there, be, considering uh, will Chris be. just said he's a 49er fan. That could be a very interesting tiebreaker <laughs> should we get there. But obviously with Megamind, it's hard to take him to a tiebreaker. We'll see how it goes. Randy, say hello to Chris. Chris, good morning. How you doing? Good morning. How are you? Everything's great. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. We appreciate it. No problem. I listen every morning. Oh, you're the man. Thank you very much. Is, this, is it lighting up? Why the, that the, this is somebody's water bottle that they left <laughs> just started here in lighting our studio, up. and it's lighting up on the bottom. <laughs> That's weird. interesting. Okay. It must be stalters or something. <laughs> we'll, we'll ask them about that. Okay. All right. Red, here we go. Ready. On Jerry Rice's last game as a 49er in Candlestick Park, Terrell Owens stole the show by setting an NFL single-game record with how many receptions? I think he had 20. 
and then he never stops stealing the show. There are only two <laughs> players in NFL history to record 30-plus interceptions and 30-plus sacks in their career. Ray Lewis is one. Who is the only other? 30 sacks and 30 interceptions. Yes, sir. Well, it seems like one of the safeties, either Reed or Polamalu, would have been one of the guys to do that. But I'll do the lifeline to see if one of them is on there. Is it Wilbur Marshall, Brian Erlacher, or Rodney Harrison? Wilbur Marshall definitely didn't have 30 interception is, uh, interceptions in his career. He's a jerk, too. Really? <laughs> yeah, bad guy. I didn't know that. Yeah. I will go with Rodney Harrison, our friend. <laughs> All right, Randy. Another Weird jerk. that you say that about Wilbur Marshall. Thank you. I was about to say. All right, Randy. Doc Rivers is the only coach in NBA history to lose multiple playoff series after leading 3-1, to one, having it happen three times in his career. Two of those times were with the Clippers. What team was he coaching for the other time it happened? Well, let's see. He has coached for the Sixers. He's coached for the Magic, and he's coached for the Celtics. I'm going to go Boston, and I think it might have even been against Miami. I'm going to go with the Celtics. All right, and happy birthday, kind of, to our favorite Crypt Keeper turned NFL owner, Jerry Jones. Yeah. In the Cowboys' 26 seasons since their Super Bowl 30 win, they've played 15 playoff games. How many have they won? Okay, this is a good question. This is fun. Uh, I believe by the time Romo dropped the snap against Seattle, they had not won a playoff game. So we we're up to roughly 04. Um, they won a game so that they could play the Rams, and then they lost to the Rams. They won a game last year, I think. Right? Uh, let me think about this. So we're at, that, that's a couple. Jason Garrett did not win many playoff games. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that it's only two, and I hope I'm right. I would hope I'm right if I'm one, but I know that they at least have one. All right, well. I didn't think it was going to go there, but we are going to a tiebreaker oh. here mm-hmm. between Chris and Randy Carricker. And because I know that Chris is a, is a 49ers fan, I'm going to go over that. I, I built three tiebreakers today just in case. So I'm going to skip to the second tiebreaker. A little bit tougher because I know you guys are going to get the first one, especially Randy and, and a 49ers fan like Chris. So, again, we're going to run it down really quick. I'm going to say the question. Randy's going to have his chance to write down his answer. Then, Chris, you will tell us your answer, and then Randy will confirm his and will go closest to the pin on this answer. Chris, do you get those rules? I got them. All know. right, here we go. <laughs> Ready. How many touchdown passes did Steve Young throw to Jerry Rice in his career? How many touchdown passes did Steve Young throw to Jerry Rice in his career? Now, Chris, we're going to wait for Randy Carriker to get a... Number written down. Mm, yeah, I'll, I'll 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 do this. All right, all right. Randy has his answer. Chris, what is your your guess for how many touchdown passes Steve Young threw to Jerry Rice? I'm going to guess with 83. Ooh, it was a close ooh, one. Ooh, ooh. It was a very close one here. 
in every shape and way. We went to a tiebreaker, <laughs> and even the tiebreaker, I had to double-check my math really quick to make sure I knew who was the winner here. This one was close between Chris and Randy Carricker. Did Chris get enough? He Obviously, we know he got enough to take him to the tiebreaker, but did he get enough to win? Was Chris another winner here this week against Randy Carricker? Just win, baby. So close, Chris. <laughs> so one. close. The answer oh, for Jerry, Steve Young <laughs> to Jerry Rice was 92. You were off by nine. Randy was off by seven. So Randy gets the win on the tiebreaker. By the way, the first tiebreaker would have been which quarterback threw more touchdown passes to Jerry Rice in his career, Steve Young or Joe Montana. Yeah. I had a feeling both of you would have had Steve Young in the pocket. So I went to the secondary one. So I'm sorry, Chris. You put up a great fight. You guys tied 2-2 <laughs> in the fight. And then Randy did get you in the tiebreaker. That's right, that's right. <laughs> you were awesome. Good job, man. Appreciate it. Great job, Chris. And before we head out of here, uh, Kerry, tell them the answers. All right. On Jerry Rice's last game as a 49er, Terrell Owens stole the show by setting an NFL single-game record with 20 receptions. Uh, there are only two, and I was going to tell you, Rock. You should have put you should have put Palomalu on here instead of Wilbur Marshall. I was going to say that. My thing is that Wilbur Marshall has the second highest sack count of a, of the of the of the thirty twenty group, and I gotcha. thought, I, it just jumped out to me. And I was like, I forgot. I didn't realize he. was I was going to tell you that beforehand, but I, I I forgot about it. Uh, there are only two players in NFL history record thirty interceptions and thirty sacks in their career. Ray Lewis is one of them. The other one is Rodney Harrison. Uh, Doc Rivers has lost the multiple playoff series after leading 3-1. to one. Happened three times in his career. Two of those times were with the Clippers. The third time was the Orlando Magic. Orlando. And then, uh, happy birthday, sort of, to Jerry Jones. <laughs> the Cowboys in their 26th season since, two th- since the Super Bowl 30 have played in 15 playoff games. They have won four. Mm. In 96 versus the Vikings, 10, 2010 versus the Eagles, 14 versus the Lions, and 2018 versus the Seahawks. Still, just you're one four, of those, you're four and eleven in twenty six lo- seasons. They Happy lost the one to the Packers where the Des Bryant catch no catch. Right, right. They had won a series. They won the game prior to that. So yeah, it's yeah, no catch. Eh, I think bo- it was a catch. I think it was a catch. He's a cowboy. Well, I, you know, I, I you know, <laughs> they don't have six Super Bowls, so we don't we don't worry about him too much. So Paul Abalo had 32 <laughs> interceptions in his career, but only 12 sacks. That's surprising really? to yeah. me. And here, and uh, just a little fact there, there, Ray Lewis sits atop everything. He actually went 40 and 30 in his career, 41 sacks wow. and 31 picks. Just absolutely insane numbers. Learn something new every day. Yep. And Ed Reed. And Reed only had six career. That can't be right. Sex. Is that right? Six career sacks. Yeah, he was a free safety. He Troy, yeah. I would have thought would have been up up to twenty. You know who might have been closer was probably Rondé Barber. Rondé Barber was, was twenty twenty. He was a twenty twenty guy. Yeah. Uh, Dawkins is, a, I think, was a twenty twenty guy yeah. as well. Uh, yeah, Dawkins was like thir- uh, Dawkins was like twenty seven picks and yeah. 20, 20 sacks even. I think something like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a fun question. Yep. I like that. Uh, that good is job, the Rock. fight on one hundred and one ESPN. <laughs> yeah, good job today. <laughs> Jeremy Rutherford, our Blues Insider, is next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for the Rutherford Report on 101 ESPN. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. Athletic is with us now. 
on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN. Good morning, JR. How are you, how are you doing? I'm doing great, guys, and I know everybody's excited about hockey, but I actually have a bone to pick with the Blues. Okay, oh, let's uh, let's, let's get it out there. Let's uh, have a little <laughs> bit of a therapy session. <laughs> yeah, no, thanks for being my Dr. Phil here. No, did you, did you guys see the, the great video they put out on social media a couple days ago where they planted words uh, in the locker room for the players to say during the interviews? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it was great, and they do a phenomenal job with the uh, social media. But I was unaware that they had done that, and so I'm working on this story about uh, why players wear the numbers they do, what's the significance, how do they pick them, so on and so forth. And it's hard to understand Pavel Buchnevich as it is, I think. And, and so when I asked him, and he, he said, Bujo 89, and he, Bujo 89, and I just kept replaying it on my recorder and replaying it, trying to figure out what he had said. And then to come out, his, to come out that his word was big giraffe, and so he was saying big giraffe 89 in the interview. <laughs> so he got his point. He was slipping in that word big giraffe, but boy, I tell you, if you guys... If you guys could have seen me at my table for 20 minutes trying to figure out what he's doing. <laughs> what the hell? Exactly. Is this a Russian word? Oh. Yeah. I think I was Googling what uh, significance does 89 have in Russia. <laughs> JR, are, are you uh, just – I asked um, JK this earlier. Are you just chomping at the bit, ready for the season to get started, watching all of these other teams play, uh, knowing that the Blues are still uh, a few days away? Are you just ready to roll? Yeah, same, Kerry. I heard John and, and uh, feel the same way. And, you know, I think this has happened before where the Blues are one of the last teams to play, but this year it just seems a little obnoxious that, uh, you know, have to wait till Saturday to get it going when you're watching all these games. And, and so, yeah, you know, tired of writing about the preseason, tired of writing about what might happen. Let's start writing about uh, what will happen, and finally it happens on Saturday. Hey, Jay, I was going to ask, we, we've been talking a lot about uh, Kyrou and, and Robert Thomas and their, their signings, uh, but Tarasenko has kind of slid under the radar, and, and it being a contract year, is this going to be a year where he just blows up and, and the Blues are either going to have to pay him a, a vast amount of money or they're going to have to let him walk in the offseason? Yeah, it's funny that you ask because today I have to sit down and work on uh, 10 bold predictions for the 22-23 season. So what do you guys think? Uh, is one of those bold predictions a, a Tarasenko re-signs, Tarasenko gets traded <laughs> at the deadline? What is it? <laughs> that would be bold. I would say a re-sign would be actually more bold than getting traded at the deadline would. Mm. Right, yeah. Yeah, you just can't envision you know, how the last year and a half has played out. And now when you see that, uh, you know, who knows what to expect. But we'll see. You know, the Blues... Expect to be a contender, and so you wouldn't think they'd be sellers at the trade deadline if they're not bringing Tarasenko back. You know, if you're not competitive at the deadline, then you probably would be selling. Uh, but do you resign him? That's going to be really, really tough too with the with the cap situation, uh, especially when you need to bring Ryan O'Reilly back. But as far as what kind of season he's going to have, you know, I think he'll have another good one. 82 points last year, a career high assist. You know, which is saying a lot. Uh, still developing in his career. Uh, I think he'll have a good year, as long as he's healthy, of course. JR, we had Pierre Maguire on after the Stanley Cup Finals, and he raved about the Blues signing Josh Levo. Levo makes the team. You write about him in your latest missive at The Athletic. What do you think the Blues have in Josh Levo? Yeah, I think they got a good player. And one part that I didn't get in the story is, uh, so he signed last year in Carolina, and uh, they kind of had their team set. So he feels like maybe that's a team that he probably shouldn't have signed with last year. But it actually worked out great because they send him to the Chicago Wolves. The Chicago Wolves play Springfield in the finals of the uh, American Hockey League. And the Blues brass goes to watch these finals, and all they come away with is how well Josh Levo played. So they sign him to a, uh, a contract 
And uh, he comes into camp and he just looked terrific. So here's the thing, though, Randy. He's a kind of an offensive-minded player. Yeah, he can play well in the D zone, but you know he's uh, he's got some skill to score. And so, what's that going to look like on that fourth line with Nathan Walker and Noel Achari right now? You know, Craig Bruby said yesterday we'll find out. Uh, but I think he's a good player. I think he, he's an NHL player. Uh, probably if, if he were with any, orga- any other organization, he would have been in the NHL last year for the bulk of the year. But it worked out great. He always says, somebody's watching you, and last year it was the Blues brass watching him. Hey, hey JR, the goaltending has been the topic of, of every conversation we've had so far this year. Uh, Bennington, if he's right, they're right. Uh, the guys in front of him, the, the defensemen, who has to stand out to, to make sure that, that he's not facing as many shots and, and making sure that they're, they're keeping the, the puck out of, the, out of his face? Yeah, I don't want to cop out here, but I think it's the group of them, and particularly those top four. And, uh, you know, I liked the Nick Letty signing, you know, for reasons that you guys have touched on. He he skates well, he gets the puck out. Uh, But, you know, he needs to uh, be that good partner that Colton Preco needs, and they need to play well together. Then you have Krug and Falk, you know, they've been terrific uh, together. So, you know, if those guys are playing 18, 20, 22 minutes, the four of them each, and, and they're getting the puck out, then you're not seeing those shots. Bennington's not getting peppered. So, you know, I think that's going to make the biggest difference. And you know what? They're not going to get talked about a lot, but I really do like that third pair with uh, Mikel and Bortuzzo. You, you don't have really any physicality in that top four. It's going to be a different look for the opponents. You know, I think they're going to recognize when Mikel and Bortuzzo are out there, but they're going to have to carry their weight. If they're getting 10 or 12 minutes, you know, they can't be giving up a couple goals a night. JR, we're looking forward to the season, and we're looking forward to talking to you every week during the season, as we do throughout the course of the year. Thanks so much for the time. We appreciate Appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Yep. Thanks, guys. See you later. That's our buddy Jeremy Rutherford, our Blues insider from The Athletic. Speaking of The Athletic, a great story last night from our friend Daniel Kaplan about what Stan Kroenke will have to deal with in New York with NFL owners on Tuesday. And Daniel joins us next on The Opening Drive on 101 ESPN. You're back to The Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. With Super Bowl champion Kerry Davis, I'm Randy Carricker. Good to have you with us on the opening drive on 101 ESPN in St. Louis. And as you know, last Thanksgiving, St. Louis and the NFL settled for $790 million so that the lawsuit that St. Louis entities, the city, county, and uh, the the Sports Commission uh, had filed suit against the league and so that wouldn't go to court. St. Louis got $790 million. They have the money, but the league still hasn't decided who's going to wind up paying the bulk of that money. And there's a great piece about it right now at The Athletic. Daniel Kaplan wrote about it, our old friend, because we've covered a lot of the St. Louis uh, NFL stories over the years. Daniel joins us on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Good morning, sir. Thanks for joining us. How are you doing? Good morning. I'm fine. How are you? Everything's terrific. And so the NFL owners are going to meet on Thursday. Can you just just give us uh, an overview of what is going to happen specifically with the Kroenke situation? Where are they going here? Sure. It's actually Tuesday here here in New York, um, where I'm based. Uh, they there is an uh, on the agenda uh, set for a vote is the proposal to fix the uh, who will pay for the 790 million dollars Kroenke or. Uh, uh, Kroenke and his fellow owners. I'm not quite clear what the proposal says, but the fact that it is on the agenda for a vote says at long last they've decided how they're going to fix this. And Daniel, one of the things that we had heard throughout uh, the time leading up to the the settlement was that when Kroenke made the deal with 
the NFL with the stipulation that he would take the Chargers or the Raiders with him, he agreed to pay court costs. But apparently the indemnification agreement didn't stipulate any judgments or any any further things beyond costs. How do you read that? And how does the NFL and how does Kroenke read costs rather than judgments or indemnifications, all the typical boilerplate that usually goes into a contract like this? Right. Well, to back up, I mean, most owners have been under the impression that Kroenke had indemnified them against all legal costs or settlements, uh, the lawsuits of this nature. Uh, At the last October meeting here in New York, he he showed up and suddenly said it's only legal costs, not not a settlement. And that caused a whole uproar. The, The commissioner appointed a committee to look into the matter. They discussed it at the annual meeting in March. Uh, and it, it, it's been just a hornet's nest, so owner against owner. Uh, been actually great, great get your popcorn type, <laughs> type theater. Um, but so it'll be fascinating to see if, as details start to leak out, and they certainly will by early next week. What exactly this this proposal is? I imagine uh, I imagine the the other owners will be on the hook for some of it, and they'll they'll try to mask what exactly they're doing by perhaps giving Kroenke uh, uh, some time off of p- paying fees to the NFL and m- making his payment to the league that way, not not a direct payment. Daniel, how does a, a situation like this impact owners and, and maybe their relationships with one another? If if they were assuming that Kroenke was going to pay this entire bill and then all of a sudden they had to come out of their pockets, does that fracture uh, any relationships that they may have amongst each other or with Stan Kroenke? It 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 definitely has caused a lot of bitter feelings. If you if you remember back a year ago, the the news of Kroenke's demand that he not pay the full amount came out in an extraordinary blow by blow piece from the Seth Wickersham at ESPN. I mean, he had verbatim quotes from an inside meeting that only owners attended, and it wasn't just that the news got out, but it got out in that way. A lot of owners felt betrayed that somebody in their midst was was leaking that kind of information. Uh, so th- this has been this has been a very bitter b- bitter road for the owners to follow. Daniel Kaplan of the Athletic with us on 101 ESPN. He writes sports business. I thought one of the interesting things in your piece at the Athletic, Daniel, was that Goodell had put together a five-owner ad hoc committee to make a recommendation on the issue and to show how divisive this is. That committee basically no longer exists, right? It, that's my understanding uh, that they could not that they could not resolve the situation. Uh, the resolution that the owners approved in December of 2021 of for the 790 million dollar settlement gave gave this gave the authority of the question of who would pay for it to the finance committee and to Goodell, Commissioner Goodell. Commissioner Goodell then switched switched tracks and appointed this ad hoc committee, and this ad hoc committee could not come up with the solution. So then there was a report last month from Pro Football Talk that Goodell was going to have a hearing on the matter. And now we've learned that I, I reported that they're going to vote, vote on something on Tuesday. So it's been a long road here. Back in 1960, Wellington Mara, the Giants owner, agreed to share national TV money with everybody rather than have what baseball and basketball and hockey have, have individual contracts. As we know, we had what was then termed League Think, and it was because of Wellington Mara. Daniel, I don't know that we could get any farther away with your reporting and then what ESPN reported this morning about Daniel Snyder. I don't know that League owners could be any further away from League Think than they appear to be right now. 
That, that's right. There, there's a lot. There's a lot of non-league thing going on. Uh, that said, uh, what Wellington Mary did uh, set set the pathway for the economics of the current NFL, and you still have seventy to eighty percent of all revenue shared by uh, by by teams. So that that's that's a that's far and away the most of any professional sports league. So there, there's structural uh, barriers in place to pre- to prevent people like Snyder and Kroenke from breaking away. But still, it, it is, it's, it's a bitter pill for the NFL that you have owners like Snyder and Kroenke doing these sorts of things. Hey, Daniel, this owners meeting is going to be, to say the least, pretty interesting. When you have the, the comments that Daniel Snyder made about the information that he has on multiple owners and, and calling the NFL the mafia, how does this whole thing pan out with Snyder? Does he continue to be the owner of, of this commander's franchise, or do the other owners find a way to, to push him out? I think that depends on the outcome of the Mary uh, Joe uh, Mary White uh, investigation. She's investigating uh, the claims that Snyder harassed a, a female employee and that he he kept revenues back that he owed the NFL. Um, if either of those uh, allegations were found out to be true, I think that would end his tenure atop the Washington Commanders. But if he's not found culpable in the, by by that investigation. My, my guess is he'll hang on. I don't think the congressional report uh, from the committee will have much bearing on, on his tenure, uh, but I think the internal league investigation, if, it, if he's found culpable, that ends his tenure. Daniel Kaplan, Kaplan, you always do great work at The Athletic, and it's really a compelling read. We hope everybody checks it out. Thanks so much for the time this morning. Good to hear your voice. And with as explosive as that meeting is going to be, hopefully we'll have you on again sooner rather than later. Yes, uh, that'd be great. All right, Daniel, thank you. Take care. That is uh, Daniel Kaplan from The Athletic on 101 ESPN. Good guy and a great reporter. Yeah, I think this owner's meeting, Randy, is going to be, you know, I wish I could have a camera in there because I'm sure there's going to be some pushing and shoving. Like, I wonder if it gets to that point where where they look at Stan and say, you said you were going to pay this. And they look at Snyder and say, you who the hell are you calling this? Just just angry old uh, rich people in a room ready to fight one another. These guys all used to get along and they would listen to the commissioner. And this is all a product, by the way, of Jerry Jones basically breaking off from the league economically. Now everybody else is kind of filing suit, and you've got a Jones faction in the NFL, and you've got an everybody else more old-school faction in the NFL. You know, Mark Cuban said a, a few years ago he was talking about the NFL and and their greed and how it would eventually lead to their ruins. He said it a few years ago, and it seems to start to be coming to fruition. Just, just, just speaking it into existence, because as you said, there are different factions in this in this owners' room. There is not one whole group. They have different sides, and they're kind of picking teams. And it may come to a point where you start to see, you know, things start to go in a different direction than they have been over the past twenty some odd years of get NFL. Get your popcorn ready. I believe, and I believe Cuban <laughs> used the the very apt "pigs get fat, hogs get slaughtered." Yeah. Slaughter. And yeah. Uh, where did Jerry Jones go to college? Arkansas. Okay. Yeah. Just saying. The, the Razorbacks. Pigs get, pigs get fat, dogs <laughs> get slaughtered. Hey, one of our all-time favorites, Rick Venturi, is next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. What I do have are a very particular set of skills. Great leaders, they stimulate belief without evidence. Skills I've acquired over a very long career. There ain't gonna be no four pillars. Skills that make me a nightmare for people like you. (laughs) 
with Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker, and there is not a day that goes by where either on the air or off the air, Kerry and I don't quote Rick Venturi. Indeed. And we thought, you know what? we got to get the coach on. He's the analyst now on the radio for the Indianapolis Colts, does fabulous work, and one of our all-time favorites here at 101 ESPN and in St. Louis. And He's on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line right now. Coach, always love hearing your voice. Good morning. How you doing? Oh, very good. Good friend and mentor. How are you doing? And Carrie, you know, go Illini. What can I say? No, I'm doing well. I, I'll, be, I'll be honest with you. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not really sure why, you know, except that if you have an offense that's 29th, uh, you know, tw- 29th basically in, in in different things, 32nd in sacks, minus six, 29th per rush, and you're still two, two, and one, and you've got your whole season in front of you, and you control your own destiny in the AFC South in the next two weeks. I guess that I guess that's a reason for joy, Randy. <laughs> <laughs> Coach, one of the things that, that I've heard you say multiple times, uh, and I guess it applies to those Indianapolis Colts, is either you're coaching it or you're allowing it. And I, I, that stuck with me. That has stuck with me through life since you said that. What are, the, what are they allowing in, in Indianapolis and what are they coaching? What's going on? Well, it, it's like two chapters, Kerry. Uh, on the one hand, on the one hand they're, they're playing very, very good defense. They haven't given up uh, a point in the fourth quarter or overtime. We've been in two overtimes. <clears throat> Haven't given that up. Uh, they're eighth in total defense, 10th against the score. Um, they're really playing good, and they played really good against the Chiefs. And then again in that, in that uh, game last Thursday night um, in Denver. So that part of it is good. Special teams has been outstanding. We changed both kickers in midstream, and both guys have paid dividends. Um, you know, the place kicker, McLaughlin, is this week's AFC Special Teams Player of the Week. So, you know, that chapter is really good. The, the offensive chapter, Chapter 2, other than, other than being able to somehow pull it together with selective amnesia late in the fourth quarter, other than that, it's been putrid, really. I mean, we're sitting there with 21 sacks. We led the league in 18. We only gave up 18 for the season. You know, we're minus six in turnover ratios. We were number 14. We had plus 14 last year, number one. I mean, he's had seven interceptions and 11 fumbles, four of which he's lost. So he has accounted for 11 turnovers. So, you know, again, <laughs> if we're not coaching it, we are letting it happen now. There's a, there's a lot of reasons there, but... You know, it's like I said, it's two chapters. You know, as somebody said to me the other day, you know, you know, well, actually, Randy said it to me, and I thought it was pretty good. Offensively, we only got one way to go, and that's up. And if, if, if we can, if we can hold on to the other two things, you know, if we can hold on both defensively and special teams, you know, we got to get better. Our offensive line is just the biggest disappointment that uh, that I've seen in years, honestly, and that's got to change. Coach, how frustrating is it for, for Colts fans? You know, last year you felt like you were just a quarterback away. Uh, you got rid of Carson Wentz. You bring in Matt Ryan. How frustrating is it that, that this offense just has not been able to get going? Well, it's really frustrating, and you have to know Indianapolis. Indianapolis and St. Louis 
are Midwestern towns, and you would think they would be about the same, but it's night and day difference. St. Louis, I think because of the great success of the Cardinals over the years and two different professional football teams, is very much a professional attitude town. They have very little tolerance when you're not playing well. Indianapolis, by nature, is more of a collegiate atmosphere. You know, they cover, you know, uh, college football and basketball, and and they're much more forgiving. But I'll be honest with you right now, Carrie, there is no forgiveness. I mean, they, <laughs> we, you know, we got booed off the, uh, they, they got booed coming out of that Tennessee loss at home two weeks ago. Now they'll come back because it's, it's kind of homespun with Midwest uh, attitude here, but there is a, there is a real, real distaste right now in the, in the fans, which I haven't seen here in a long time. Coach, when you're a coach, you say, we got booed off the field. When you're a broadcaster, you say, they got booed off the field. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's like, that's, yeah, you're right, Randy. It's, you're, I should know that. I started with you about 12 years ago. You, you know, I have learned to say that was an uneven performance, uneven. I guess that's code for loud Last week, Tom Brady said, what I'm seeing around the league is a lot of bad football. Can you address that comment? What do you think of that comment? Well, I, I I agree in some cases, and in some cases I don't. I mean, like everybody talked about our 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 game was uh, you know the ugliest game ever. But you know, if you coach defense your whole life, like I have, and you know survive that way for forty one years in coaching, I thought it was an absolutely beautiful defensive game. But I do think that there is a lot of sloppy play, uh, particularly in September. Uh, I think that has a lot to do with. You know, how teams now are limited. There's really no offseason like when Kerry played, when I coached. There's no, you know, training camps are so watered down physically um, that they're, you know, it's almost a joke sometime when you go to when you go to practices. And so I think what happens, and then they don't play anybody in the preseason. They won't play their players. And I don't agree with that totally. I, you know, I, I, say, and I say it publicly here. I you know, I'm unfiltered to this day, but I do think it leads to September almost being a growth month. It's, um, you know, a situation where, you know, tackling, got people have to tackle, they got to get in place, uh, picking up stunts, all those things that you only get full speed. And most of those are things with feel for one another rather than blackboard stuff. And I, I, I think in that respect, it does lead to some bad sloppy football. Hey, Coach, uh, I, being a coach, and, and I'm a coach now, there was a situation over the weekend with the Atlanta Falcons and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers where there was a sack on third and long, and it was called a rough in the passer. Now, now I'm going to have you put your coach hat on. In that moment, are you just absolutely losing it because of the call and what it was called? And, and what are your thoughts on, on just the, the roughing the passer calls the last couple of weeks and, and how that's been going for defensive players? Oh, no. You know, I absolutely am losing my mind. I'm losing my mind as a spectator, to be honest with you, and as a defensive coach. Now, there's no question that the the league has taken a ton of, of real positive steps for the safety of players and the safety in the long-term health of the game. There's no question about that. The game was starting to erode because of the concussion syndrome at the grassroots. You could see it in the grade schools, high schools, junior highs. And I think the league has done a really good job. And so, you know, that kind of has become the number one objective on Park Avenue. Now, on these type of things, 
you know, and and Serator came out and said those are bad calls, and there was no finer official than than Serator in the National Football League. And what that is is a lack of common sense. I mean, there there is an interpretation of the law, but you know, as Jones said, you know, are you going to teach me how to tackle? Where do I go? I'm 329 pounds. Where you know, I've got I've got the quarterback in my grasp. You know, and to me, the rule there is for blatant things, things that are totally dangerous to a player, you know, hitting head-to-head, all that kind of stuff, you know, a, a throwdown that is, uh, oh, you know, blatant. I mean, Grady, you know, Grady Jackson, I mean, he just he just spun him. I mean, he mm-hmm. got the quarterback and then the Jones things. No, that has to really change. That is that that's bad, and, and, and I don't know what you tell players. You can't correct those two guys on those issues, and that's my barometer. Coach, we have, obviously, it's it's radio, so we have a new listenership all the time. I don't know if Kerry's ever heard this. I don't know if Matthew, our producer, has ever heard this, but it's one of my all-time favorite coaching stories. When Belichick gets fired in Cleveland and your wife, Sherry, is out getting her hair done and you get a phone call, <laughs> and we don't have cell phones. Can you tell us that story quickly? Yeah, I can tell it to you real quickly. You know, I, I had gotten a, a call uh, from uh, Jim Mora, and uh, in the morning, and, you know, we had, we were out, we were out, at, you know, at Cleveland, and Jim said, what are you doing? And I said, well, I need a job. And he said, well, I think you'd be great here. Uh, what do you want me to do? And I said, well, you know, call me in the morning. I'm going to meet with Marcia Broda. He'll give me the axe, and then we'll be on our way. <laughs> and so Marcia Broda didn't meet with me till 3 in the afternoon, which I still hold against him. But in reality... I called Jim at 3.30 and goes, Rick, you have to get on a plane at 4.30 because my owner's upset. It's Mardi Gras weekend. I have to have this done. You have to be on this plane. So I don't even have a change of clothes, to tell you the truth. So Ernie Adams, Bill's longtime assistant, I say, drive me by my house and take me to the airport. You're exactly right. Sherry was gone. I didn't have time to drive myself and park. I left her a note, and I just said... (laughs) I just got fired. I'm on my way to New Orleans for an interview. I will call you when I get there. And, and, and the wonderful wife that she's been 50-some years, she has that framed here in my man cave. Because I, I didn't even have a piece of tape. I just stuck it on the doorknob. The hole is still there in, in the paper. So, you know, that, that's one of my many stories that would go down into my book, Carrie would be titled Survivor. <laughs> I survived 41 years, totally 27 in the NFL without sponsorship. <laughs> It was survival. (laughs) Coach, you're so great. We love having you on. We have to do this more often, and I I love hearing your voices. As you know, love you, and so happy that you're doing what you're doing and enjoying what you're doing in Indy. Yeah, I really am. It's been a great second career. I started with you. I remember those pregame shows down on the field. Uh, Everybody at that station was so good. They gave me an opportunity. And, you know, 12 years later, I I guess, I I don't want to flatter myself, but it has become a real second career. And I got to take my hat off to the Colts. They've really uh, embraced me and allow me to be myself. You know, the owner and GM has said to me at games, 
Rick, we'd just be Rick. You don't, you don't have to do anything else. And, boy, I'll tell you what, I, sometimes I think they regret that a little bit. <laughs> hey, but I only, know, I only know it one way, and, you know, that's the only way I can do it. Thank goodness we were doing the pregame carry. He was oh, stuck with the postgame. Yeah. Yeah, it was tough nights, <laughs> Coach. It was some tough nights me and Stalter had covering those postgame shows. It was oh, some, some memories that are still burned in my brain about some, some tough, tough Rams losses. <laughs> oh, my God, absolutely. No, no, I tell you what, you're exactly right. But I was just learning the craft there with Randy, with the greatest there. And I was, I was just learning my craft and doing whatever it took, you know, and, and, and enjoying it. I, you know, my wife and I really, really liked St. Louis. It's, 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 it's still hard for me to conceive of the Rams not being there. I just, it's just very difficult. Uh, but I'll be honest with you, I saw it coming. I, I you know, I'd been with, uh, Two franchises that had moved, believe it or not, that's part of my survivor mentality. (laughs) (laughs) And you just can kind of feel it when people are too far at odds to get it done. Absolutely. Coach, good to hear your voice. Go get them this weekend, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, guys. Thank you much. See you later. That's the great Rick Venturi on 101 ESPN. Coach is awesome. He's, he, he's really one of yeah. the best. He, I, I learned so much football from just listening to him and talking to him um, and, and just the, the, the minute details of things that even as a player that I didn't think about, just listening to him talk, you can pick up a lot of, lot of gems. Sitting next to him watching football games for three or four years and having him coach while well, he's mm-hmm. up there in the, in the yep. press box was unbelievable. Blue Center, Robert Thomas is next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Thomas, score! Getting you inside the Blues locker room. Time now for Blues Forward Robert Thomas on the opening drive. Driven by Pure Performance, the only stop for all your aftermarket vehicle needs. And we head now to the Brown and Coupon Celebrity Line where Blues Center Robert Thomas is standing by. Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker. Good morning, Robert. How are you doing? I'm doing well, guys. How are you guys? Everything's good. Just struck me as we were listening to your open. Have has your family ever referred to you as like Bobby or Rob or anything like that? Have you been Robert all your life? Yeah, no. Yeah, it's always been been Robert or, or Robbie, one of those two. Hey, hey, Robert, when you uh, you all just getting back from South Carolina and, and had a, I guess, a refreshing trip with, with one another, What were in, was there anything that you learned about your teammates? Maybe one guy doesn't play golf as well or no one knows, someone doesn't know how to fish. What, what was the one thing you took away from that trip? Yeah, I mean, there, there's lots of stuff like that. Um, you know, I think those trips are so important for the team and um, just to get the season off on the right start. And, um, yeah, definitely learned some, some funny things about, uh, you know, some guys got some new nicknames and oh. uh, all that stuff. So it's all it's all good stuff. We got to hear the nicknames. You got to give us uh, one or two. <laughs> if, if you can. We, right. talked, we talked about Nadub last week. Is, is Nadub a thing now? <laughs> Uh, no, I can't. I won't. It's not a thing yet. Okay. <laughs> We're working on it. But no, it's, it's, it's so, so much fun, those trips. And yeah, we, we definitely found out there's some, uh, some bad golfers on the team. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Your, your favorite part of the trip, your favorite non hockey part of the trip? Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm a big golfer. So I loved, you know, we had a team golf day. Um, so it's pretty cool. And there's, you know, a bunch of groups and, um, you know, we had like a little bit of a tournament style thing. So, 
so that was pretty cool. And, you know, we, were, we stood up on 18 and got to watch all the groups come in after. And um, let's just say there's some horrible golf shots coming in there. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the best golfer on the team? Uh, we got, we got a bunch of, we got a bunch of good golfers. Uh, there's a lot of guys that are playing, you know, four handicapped to seven or eight. So, um, you know, we got some good players. Now on a trip like this, you, you, the coaches seem to kind of let down their hair as well. What did you learn about some of your coaches? Was there a time where, where they were able to share some, some moments, some funny stories where it wasn't just coach player. It was, it was just man to man. Yeah. Yeah. There's lots of that. Um, which is nice. I mean, they, they're they're on your backs, you know, throughout the whole season. So it's nice to see the other side of them, and um, you know that's important to that relationship. So um, yeah, we we had a nice team dinner where you know coaches, management, everyone was there, and it wasn't about hockey. There's football on, and um, you know we're able to just kind of you know get to know everyone else more. How, how's your fantasy football team doing? Did you win this past weekend? Yeah, we won again. <laughs> we're, we're at four and one, and uh, you know we're looking good. I got a couple trade offers today, so uh, I gotta gotta do some research there. I got well, well. Let me know who you got. I I might be able to help you in this. Who, who's offering what, and what do they want in return? Uh, I need a wide receiver, so um, you know, I was looking at Debo Samuel. Okay, um, I like him. I got Leonard Fournette, so we're gonna try and work a package through those. Uh, I, you know, a, a Fournette for Samuel. Yeah, but there'll be some other pieces involved. Okay. That, I don't want one. <laughs> that might work out. I mean, you get some points for for uh, Debo running and receiving, so that, that might be good. But Leonard is is running the hell out of the ball, so just be careful. Yeah, I know he's uh, he's a stud. He's been my 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 dark horse this year. <laughs> now, Robert, the Super Bowl champ, says he might be able to help you out. Kerry, you're welcome to tell Robert what happened in your game last weekend in fantasy football here at 101 ESPN. So, so Robert, I was playing my, my good friend here, Randy Carricker, and I, I only needed, when we were going into the Monday night game, I only needed 30 points from my kicker. So I, I knew that it was, a, <laughs> it was a slim chance that I would have an opportunity to win. He beat me, I think he ended up beating me by 20, 25 points um uh he, he yeah randy's team beat the hell out of me this this week we got we got to regroup and, and come back ready to play i, I didn't coach him well enough yeah <laughs> so, hey before we get to uh saturday night you've had uh, a limited access to craig mctavish you haven't had a chance to see mct's intensity yet are you aware though of the fact robert thomas that when mctavish was the head coach of the edmonton oilers and you can find this on youtube he once yanked the tongue out of the the mouth of the mascot for the calgary flames did you know he did that <laughs> I, I I think I've seen a video of that somewhere. So that's that, that's something. Um, it's been a while since I've heard about that, but I, I feel like I saw it when I was younger. Yeah, it's just something. Now that he's on your team and you're together every day, if that ever comes up, it's a it's a fun thing to look back on. Okay, the Columbus Blue Jackets in town on Saturday night. How fired up are you to get this season going? Yeah, I mean, so excited. Um, you know, it's been you know the last two nights been watching hockey and it's been killing me. Um, you know, everyone's off, off to the races and we still got a couple more days, but, um, but yeah, it's going to be so excited. It's, it's always the best when you can open up the season at home and, uh, you know, we're really excited about that. When you watch other games, are you watching your buddies or are you watching other teams? Uh, a bit of both. Um, you know, if any of my good buddies are on, I'll, I'll always be watching them first and, uh, you know, just kind of bounce around games. So, uh, it's always fun. Do you ever do you ever see something from one of your friends and 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 maybe text them and say, hey, what what, what made you come up with? The, how did you decide to do that in that moment? 
all the time. Uh, yeah. It's usually it's usually chirping more so. <laughs> they, uh, you know, wow, like you know, you could have done something a lot better there, or uh, you know, if he toe picks or something funny. Um, but no, there's always there's always chatter. Um, you know, a couple of my close buddies, we always try and watch each other's games and kind of give some critique and some positives. So. Uh, it's you know it's good stuff. Okay, so we already know about Matthew and Brady because you lived in the Kachuk household. Two or three other guys around the league that you're watching specifically because they're 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 friends. Yeah, um, yeah, I got a buddy on Philly, Morgan. Uh, he's from Aurora as well. Um, Morgan yeah, Frost. Like yeah. Okay. I got uh, you know, there's a couple of Leafs players uh, that I've got to know. So I wouldn't necessarily I'm texting them all the time, but I, I always like watching them as well. And what are your what are your thoughts? You know what a winning team looks like. You know what a Stanley Cup champion looks like. As you head into this season, how do you feel about the way this training camp is going and about what the Blues have put together? Yeah, I mean, I, I love our team. I think uh, you know we got the same same identity as as years past, and um, you know I, I can't say this enough how close we were last year, and um, you know that's the way all of us feel, and so it's so nice to have you know the same core group and. Uh, you know, have that same identity coming into this year. And um, yeah, I think we added some really good pieces um, as well. And uh, some young guys are ready to step up. So uh, I'm I'm really excited about this year. Okay. And I'm not going to let you off the hook here for the golf tournament. Did your team win? <laughs> no, I didn't win. <laughs> okay. But as long as you had a good time. When I get out and I don't win, as long as I had a good time, that's what it's all about. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just going to say I, I had my guy. <laughs> Beautiful. Hey, Robert, great to have you with us. Thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week. Good luck against Columbus and in the 2022-2023 season. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. See you next week. You bet. Take care. Robert Thomas, Blue Center on 101 ESPN. I'm sure they had an awesome time. Just because, here, Randy, when you are, are the best thing about a, a team, you know, I told you, Playing the game is fun. That's what you get paid to do. But the moments where you get to just joke and laugh and make fun of someone's uh, shortcomings, whatever, if your golf game is terrible, if you are afraid of putting the, the bait onto the hook or, or whatever, <laughs> I'm sure there were things. There, what, what, what is that? No. So those are the moments that that you cherish and respect and appreciate the most as a professional athlete. There were there were some stories I'm sure he could not say <laughs> oh, no, no. <laughs> on the air with us because, yeah, we would probably be shut down. So yeah. uh, just just great times, and I'm sure they're going to have a, a fantastic season. When you when you get those moments together, you get ready for the season, and it, it tends to go pretty well. Mildly disappointed that he had that time to get Nadeau going and they didn't get it they going. They didn't yet. get it going. We got we got a whole season ahead yep, of us, we Randy. We can get him on maybe at some point and, and, and have that conversation and sell our nickname to him for, for him going forward. That's Kerry. I'm Randy. Coming up, we're going to head down the stretch as we head toward a balloon party with the victorious T-Mac and Ajax. Man, you talk about great golf upsets in history. Well, they had one of them, and we're going to tell you about it next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Commanders and the Bears play tonight, and you'll hear it here on 101 ESPN. Also, a couple of baseball games today. Cleveland will take on the New York Yankees, and the other game will be Seattle against Houston. 
I just thought about the the message that you said yesterday, where it, it contractually obligated. To... <laughs> <laughs> That's another one. Yeah, we are contractually obligated. We are to. Uh, to uh, yeah. Oh my goodness. It's <laughs> <laughs> funny. I was, wondering, I was wondering if we were going to make that joke today. It was kind of perfect. Yeah, we're doing oh. it. We've got the Commanders and Bears for you here on 101 ESPN pregame at six. 30. Hey, congratulations to our friends down the hall, and they are also the balloon party here on 101 ESPN. But the morning after, got together with Chris Nagel yesterday. He is a pro golfer, and he's great. And they're both at Meadowbrook. And so the morning after, decided to take Chris on in a golf match, and they beat him. They shot a seven under and won the match seven and six. And I know Matthew Rocchio was keeping close track of what turns out to be the miracle at Meadowbrook. I think they clinched in the. I think they clinched on the twelfth hole. They were they were yeah. si- they were they were one six, at seven and six. Yeah, yeah they were yeah, they were beating him. Uh, they were six through nine, and I when I saw that, my jaw hit the floor because I I don't know that much about golf, but when I saw that. I hear those guys talk about golf to know that. If you're playing, if you're playing one on one like that, or what essentially was one on one, they were playing a scramble between four guys, and then Nagel had his own. You're not coming back when you're that far down at the turn. And so when I saw that, I was like, oh my god, these boys are actually gonna, you know, quote unquote, shock the world. And they did. <laughs> apparently, I haven't got the the yardage or the the footage completely confirmed yet, but I hear tell that Tim McKernan hit two 40-foot putts, oh. and Action Jackson hit two, like, 25-footers to send them on their way. And if that's true, we got, we got some hands that's in shape when they, walk, when they walk in here at 10 o'clock. Yeah, congratulations. <laughs> that's yeah. the celebration. That is, that that's is some what, wildly yeah. well-played golf. Good job. It is. Yeah. I mean, because the thing about it is when you are in those moments against a, a professional golfer and you got to nail that shot, to, to, to go mm-hmm. up or to win, I feel that, ba- that, that, that's, that takes some guts. I'm feeling bad right now because if, if, if we had to go up against like Jay Delsing, I don't, I don't think, I don't think me and Carrie could help I don't think Carrie could help Randy yeah. very much in, in, in sticking to him. We could try. At the same time, yeah. TMA also has a board op who's, who's, running, who's running a seven-minute mile, True. and I can tell you guys right now, that's weird. So we're going to get into some competition stuff, Rock, Randy. We're going to we're going to show that we are the right. show because of our our ability to compete you already we, we know we win any trivia with with megamind any well yeah sports trivia I got you sorry. On the other stuff <laughs> I got you I got you rock has has world history or history trivia we we the trivia section we're good now we have to compete Athletically yeah, in some I'm, some events, and I, don't know I can gonna, I can help with that. I don't know if you're going to see me running a mile anytime soon. On the other hand, the BK, <laughs> Not a seven BK, minute. BK and Ferrari are doing punishments for their pick'em challenge. The one I hope somebody does there because I would love to do it. I would love to come to a, a Hazelwood Central practice and have to run the run a sled for hundred yards. That I actually am confident I Rock, could do. And let me tell you something. I don't know. The older we get, the less it, the, it, the, the harder it becomes. <laughs> Michelle uh, often Michelle's run something like twenty four half marathons. She's trying to run a half marathon in every state, and I would regularly tell her, "Look, I have not run thirteen point one miles combined in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not running it all at once. I can't. I can't because I haven't done it in my no life way in a hell. Yeah. My friend just texted me the other day. He said he sent the picture to the group. He's one of those guys. He doesn't say anything, uh, but he ran a full marathon. And 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 we were like, wait, what? How? When? How? But he he said, we, one of my friends, did you run the whole time? He said, well, no, nah, the last three four miles, my quads and hamstrings were on fire. But you know, just amazing. A former teammate of mine, Walter Young, receiver. Yeah, yeah. I, I said, well, you you go ahead, man. Good job. 
Yeah. Full I, marathon? The receiver can do it. Yeah, but, you know, I, maybe. I guess. He's lanky. He's... <laughs> Hey, if you missed any of our visits today, we had Daniel Kaplan of The Athletic. We also had Rick Venturi. It's always great to hear from Coach Venturi and Robert Thomas. If, if you missed those, you can hear it on our podcast brought to you by Dobbs Tire Auto Center, available at 101ESPN.com or on the 101 ESPN app. Great job today by our producer engineer, Matthew Rocchio. Pleasure. CD, this is always great. Always. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. And for all of us, we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. For all of us until tomorrow, which is Friday morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.